500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said i'm mad i must eradicate piracy injustice and cruelty and all my sons will follow me so evil doers will believe that this man cannot die the ghost who walks enemies beware the phantom's always there but you won't find the phantom he finds G'day everyone, for those who came in late, you're listening to Expand the Phantom Podcast. This is episode 124, a comics and news uh, for July. Um, a look back at the comics and the news from July of 2019. My name is Dan Fraser and today I'm joined by Jermaine Parker. How are you, Jermaine? Very good, mate. Excellent. Um, we are now a month post uh, Supernova, only 11 months until Supernova though, so that's the good thing. Well, Supernovas, uh, Sydney 2020. Yeah, correct, in Sydney. So I get a feeling that there might be another Supernova worth attending this yes. year. Yes, <laughs> there will be, and, and uh, we're going to talk about that in a few moments. Oh, let's just go straight into it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's, you know, if, if uh, we are here to talk about all of the news in the Phantom world over the last month or so, and it's actually been uh, oh, it's quite been a huge. huge. Month. Um, there's been some really big ticket items coming out, some actually really, really big ticket items coming out, mm. um, which I'm excited to talk about. We've got a bunch of comics to talk about, and... Um, books and lots of various ways of telling stories that we're going to talk about. So potential to be a huge podcast, but it is nearly 10 p.m. on a Sunday night my time, and I haven't been in bed before 1 a.m. yet this weekend uh, for various reasons, none of them alcohol-related, if anyone's asking. Um, but uh, all uh, it, it's again, I don't want to have a late night tonight with school tomorrow. So we'll hook straight into it. And the biggest news, the single biggest news, in my humble opinion, of what's happened in July is the rebranding of Chronicle Chamber. How exciting is it, Jim? <laughs> oh, um. Yeah, it's probably big for the about four people in Australia. Um, <laughs> you, me, Stephen, and probably Grange, hey, Grange. Uh, who, who helped us. But um, I think for ninety nine point nine percent of the other people uh, of the other fans, it's probably not the biggest news of well, July. But um, I'm, people, I'm very happy with it. There might be some people who are only just finding about it now if they've subscribed to the podcast and they're not necessarily um, looking at the social image. media and that sort of thing. <laughs> um, if this is the first time that you've, you you Chronic, the X-Band has dropped into your, um, into your subscription box and they're popping out at you is the fantastic image um, and logo that Grange Wallace, uh, Fru artist, um, has designed for us. And I, I'm with you, Jim. I couldn't be happier with it. Hmm. Yeah, and a huge thanks to our Patreon um, our listeners. Basically, their support has helped paid for it. Yep. Um, because we're still uh, sucking up to our partners post Supernova uh, <laughs> just to be able to buy our weekly uh, $4 comic from uh, the news agent. Um, we're all tapped out of money. And so, yeah, huge thanks to um, uh, to Grange. And a huge thanks to, like, Joe and Guy and everyone else who was had a part of the different versions of the way the website and the logo and the branding has looked for the past 13 years um this 
I think everyone. I think it's fair to say this is probably the most professional look and logo we've had. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it, to be honest, it happened quite quickly. Uh, I've been a part of a few rebrandings, and normally you're looking at about a, a you know an eight month to a two year process. So maybe it's because there's less uh, red tape. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> oh, look, we, it, it, it and no stakeholders. <laughs> We, it's something that's been ticking away in the back of our minds, it, you know, for probably 18 months where we've been thinking that it might be a good thing to do. Um, mm. And then, you know, one little AGM at uh, in Sydney and um, uh, a couple of beers with Grange on a Friday night. And, um, you know, he sends us some, some sketches and some images and uh, the next thing you know, we're able to rebrand it all over the place. So uh, really love the image. Um, huge shout out, as we said, to Grange. Check out his work. He's got the... Um, um, most recent uh, cover, fruit cover. Uh, fruit cover that has come out as well and uh, has another one in the pipeline. We've got a podcast coming up with him at some point in the not-too-distant future, certainly before the end of 2019. <laughs> I think it was August, September, I think we've kind Something of penciled like it in. the next one. So uh, we'll certainly be talking to him and thanking him in per- person. So, um, so enough said about that one, but, um, yeah, really pleased that we were able to do that. Um, okay, item two in our huge uh, list of um, news items. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to try and put these in any particular order now. But we do need to talk about. We've already t- uh, sort of teased it in the intro about supernovas and Sydney not necessarily being the big ticket phantom item in town this year. Although mm. you know, arguably or in, was, in the country, it was huge. But Adelaide and Brisbane are going to have some serious. Um, say about the biggest Phantom Supernova this year because Billy Zane, star of the 1996 The Phantom movie, uh, is coming to town. Certainly been advertised at this stage. We're very hopeful that that follows through. There are, you know, times where Supernova guests drop out and stuff, but, uh, you know, so we're not actually going to count our chickens until they're hatched. But uh, the prospect of Billy Zane uh, coming to coming to Australia, attending Adelaide Supernova early November, and uh, then follow that up a week later in Brisbane, um, has got a lot of Australian fans salivating, hasn't it, Jim? It has. I reckon it's the first time someone will actually want to go to Adelaide as well. <laughs> and a huge shout out to all of our South Australian uh, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he must have drew the short straw, uh, going, you know, doing the Adelaide, uh, the Adelaide section. I'm sure he would have, you know, I don't know. Melbourne would have been nicer. Um, <laughs> heck, even Perth would have been nicer. It um, is interesting. But, Welcome to Australia. Here's Adelaide as your first yeah. stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, um, it, it, it's, but it's, yeah, it, it's a huge, it's huge. I reckon. Yeah. Since. Cy Barry in, what was it, 97 or 98, this is probably, well, this is the biggest celebrity coming to a, a comic convention. The Phantom was. Uh, from, a phantom, from a Phantom, from a Phantom point of view. Yeah. Um, yeah, and look, there'll be people there yeah. who want to see him because he was in Titanic. There'll be people who are there because they, hmm. they remember him from Back to the Future. But for us, it's all about the fandom, obviously, and um, uh, it, you know, and and that's acknowledged, obviously, in the fact that it's it's him and his fandom get up that uh, has yes. gracing the advertising and all that sort of stuff at the moment. Now, here's my question to you: question without notice, Jermaine. Why, why now? Why is Billy Zane coming to Australia um, and um, visiting us with the Phantom 
garb and all the rest of it. I don't know, mate, but I hope it's. Uh, I hope there's going to be a little announcement or something yes. about, um, you know, because he he he's hinted at it with his social media profile pictures and, and stuff like that. We we can dream, we can dream, but you know, how how good would it be if he says, "Oh yeah, I'm going to be starring as the Phantoms and passing Gebel, on the mantle Gebel, Gebel, or something." We we're at that stage of uh, the uh, football seasons where no one's mentioning the F word. Uh, we don't want to mention the uh, F word, <laughs> Phil. <laughs> but how we good are, would it be? How oh, good would hopeful. it be? We're hopeful. Yeah, but we no, in all, all, all seriousness, it, it will be good. Now, it must be said that this hasn't been announced yet, but there is a likelihood that you will have to pay for signatures and you will have to probably buy tokens and stuff, which will be a little bit different for a lot of Phantom fans because we haven't had to do that in the past with... Jeff Weigel, Terry Beatty, Paul Ryan, Alex Soviak, and, yeah. and stuff like that. But with this one, so it will be a little bit different. So um, we will continue to remind people about this as the time draw, draws near. But you just need to be aware that, you know, there will probably be a fee yeah. to get your stuff signed. And so you might want to, instead of bringing 40 DVDs and, and stuff to get signed, you might want to find one or two of the best things to do. Okay, so um, that, two questions mm. then, Jim. One, are you likely to make the trip east yourself to um, either Adelaide um, or probably not Brisbane? Uh, that's the longest road trip in Supernovas, Perth to Brisbane. But uh, are you likely to pop over to Adelaide for the weekend? Not likely. Um, me and the wife, have we have talked about it briefly. She would rather go to Brisbane than Adelaide. Um, you know, so we, we did dream for a little bit. Like, we, you know, found a babysitter and we looked at flights and, and there was a special on and stuff like that. But unfortunately, I'm on a family holiday, like, literally two, three weeks beforehand. So right. very unlikely at this stage. Okay, did you get so a pay rise at work? So, um, you know, maybe. But okay. no, but okay. most likely so not. Part two of the question then was, if you were going to, um, what would what item would you get signed? Okay, that's a good question. I would probably get probably through was it one one four four or four eight, where it's actually a picture of him riding on Hero through the jungle with Diana, and it was mm. for the Skyband or for the Skyband um, story. Mm. Um, that will probably be there. There's another one for a Phantom, um, a Phantom Men cover, which was actually a, a painting done by Cy Barry. Yes. So, you know, that could be a good one to get where you can get a double signature, a Billy Zane and a Cy Barry. Mm. So that would be a quite a unique item to get. Yes. Um, so that will probably be my first two preferences or, or suggestions on what to get. I think things like a Funko pop vinyl, which we've seen on eBay, that's just stupid. Um. Yeah, I'm not going to use those terms, but it is, it is an odd one, isn't it? You, you would think that uh, if you're going to get something signed by Billy Zane, it would have to have some link to Billy Zane. Mm. Um, the, the, the back of the throne or the, the throne that that little um Yeah, the movie plays, poster. Um, sorry? Yeah, oh, a movie poster. Yeah, oh, movie yeah. poster. I was yeah. going to say, if you're going to get a, a toy signed, then you'd get that yep. Street Players one because at least that's based on the movie that he was in, even though it's yeah. absolutely nothing like him. Um, 
But yeah, the the Funko Pop is a is an odd one. I guess it's just um, call on, that's... call Spider Spider. It's stupid. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, look, uh, I I do only live um, an hour and a half's drive from Brisbane, and I will one thousand percent be attending um, the Brisbane Supernova, and will busting be busting my gut to uh, attend and and uh, speak to Billy Zane if I'm able to do that, and I'm able to get my video. Well, sorry, my um, well, video would be awesome, but uh, uh, phone out to record audio and whatever. We'll get to podcast. Uh, we're also um, well. We're, our people are talking to his people, and we're going to see if we can get uh, something in terms of uh, a, a podcast interview with Billy Zane is obviously the dream. So uh, we will see what we can do. We will work hard for you, the listeners, um, and for us, the Giddy fanboys. Mm. Now, there will likely be a few people in Queensland, and um, so there's been a little bit of talk about will there be a catch-up or something like that. So that yeah, will be uh, Yeah, quite likely. Yep. Which would be good. But um, no, it's, it's very exciting. Uh, mm. Very jealous. But unfortunately, sometimes you get to choose your battles. And I don't see um, that battle being one saying, no, sorry, we can't go to Bali with the family. I'm going to go to Queensland to see Billy Zane instead. <laughs> I don't think I will um, stay married or win that battle. No. Fair enough. All right. Well, more to come on that one, obviously. That's in November and plenty of time to talk yes. about that again. Sticking with conventions, though, let's segue around this way. Uh, sticking with conventions, the as we speak, it's the the last day or two of the San Diego Comic Con um, over in America. Um, and what's exciting from a fandom perspective? Well, I mean, we knew that um, Hermes Press were going to be there with a the stall. They're always there. They love the, mm. the SDCC. Um, so that was always of some interest. There's there's not a um, a fandom artist or author at the booth for them this year um, because they haven't um, got those new releases out um, from their booth. But what is exciting is that the Comics Kingdom booth has uh, has released a, a new range of or range a, a new couple of Phantom merch items, um, including a little pin. We've seen a photo of that, courtesy of Sabrina Herman. Thank you very much, Sabrina, for uh, sh- taking that photo and sharing it with us. Uh, that's uh, certainly on our social medias. If you if you care to have a look for that one, um, and also a new shirt, which is a it's a similar design to what we've seen in the past. Both the pin and the shirt are that that image uh, that is the the face of the Phantom that's half face and half skull. Um, what I like about the shirt is the that it's not just that image which we've seen before, but um, it actually has a, a scene from a story, the Phantom, um, in the in the image, if you know what I mean. That uh, mm. it, it's sort of over overlaid a, a Phantom panel, so to speak. So it's slightly different, um, but very exciting to see um, that that Comics Kingdom is still producing new stuff. Yeah, and. I guess probably the most important thing is the pin won't be, but the T-shirt will be likely to be on their website, which is comicskingdomstore.com. Um, mm-hmm. We have had uh, confirmation that the clothing or the shirt will be on there, but the pin won't be. No, that is a that is convention exclusive. So unfortunately, mm. if you weren't there um, and don't which know a lot of us were there, 
<laughs> which a lot of us weren't. No, no. Um, so sadly, sadly for the um, international listeners, um, including us this time, uh, we miss out. But good luck to any of the um, the Americans who got along and, and picked up one of those pins, and hopefully a few of them might float onto eBay at some point for us to uh, for us to look at and uh, pick up mm. ourselves. So um, it's good it's, to see them doing something. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's sort of a, an indication that, um, you know, they're still pushing the fandom. And it's good to see them actually giving away those little, those little things and all the rest of it. Yeah. All right. Um, how can I zipper in now? Um, at, at the conventions, if we're going to stick with that theme, at the, the uh, Supernova in Sydney this year, we saw the new icon statue. Um, I'm not sure. Have we talked about this on the podcast before? Briefly, but it will be worth just, I guess, just making mention of it that it is kind of available yeah, to so, pre-order and yeah. So the Icon Collectibles, the same people who brought us the uh, the standing Phantom with guns statue, which lots of people love. I've got one myself. Um, the Phantom on Hero statue again, um, beautiful sculpture. Um, they've got a new statue that's come out. We have reported on this on the on the website about a month ago, probably six weeks ago now, I suppose. Um, and it does look pretty impressive in person, which uh, we, where we saw it in Sydney. Um, price is uh, price is high, fair to say. Yep. Yep. Um, pre-orders are around the. Uh, I'm going to. It's been a while. Is it four, was it right on 400, 410 for a pre-order? Yeah, something Through like that. Through the Culture website? Yeah. Um, and likely 450 as uh, RRP when it um, does come out just before Christmas. So um, a big ticket item, it's fair to say, um, and po- probably out of the reach of a lot of collectors. Mm. Um, certainly but, the, the variants, mm. uh, there's not going to be many people who are going to pick up multiples of the variants, I wouldn't have thought. No. I guess one good thing is I have seen some websites that do um, that offer afterpay with with yep. the order of it. Yep. Okay. So you know, afterpay is basically uh, it's a, yeah labour really where I think it's for four weeks you can pay a hundred bucks or, or whatever it is. I mean, I think it was four weeks or, or, or whatever, but you know there are some. I've seen some sites do that, and I'm sure if you talk to your local comic book shop, yes. they can probably put an order in, and you can probably start lay buying it now because yes. it's yeah. not coming out until until December they've said. So exactly, so that's still what uh, we're basically end of July, so that's still four months away. Yeah. Um, so you know, if you, I'm sure if you say to your com- local comic book shop, I would like to get it in, can I start paying it off now? They're not going to say no if you start giving your money now. No. Um, <laughs> And then that gives you, in a sense, four months to pay off $400, so $100 a month. Maybe, you know, that's, you know, maybe go without coffee a day. You know, there's probably your $400 or, you know, $400 over four months. Hmm. I agree with what you're saying. I've all, I always find it um, bemusing when people say, "Oh, it's just a coffee a day." I'm uh, an instant coffee drinker, and uh, my coffee scotch me because there's no way I'm saving four hundred dollars on coffee between now and December. Anyway, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't drink coffee. A lot of people, you know, go get their lattes and mm. stuff like that every day. Cappuccinos. And... Uh, big shout out, Anthony Gillies. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, 
the uh, there's no rhyme or reason to the news anymore. Oh, I, I, I was going to ask you actually about that icon devil statue, and I mentioned the variant um, colours. We I, we're used to um, icon delivering us with the purple statue, which I think is obviously their most popular. They've got the blue for Scandinavians, red for uh, Europeans and um, South, uh, American. South Americans, um, and the grey for the traditionalists. And lots of people would say that they like the grey. Um, <laughs> But they've got two other colours this year, which we've never seen, I don't think, as a variant. Well, the brown we may have seen, but the green is a completely new mm. variant idea. Um, thoughts on the six variant colours? Cash grab. <laughs> Do you think they're going to be able to grab much cash with people buying green items? Um, I don't know. I don't think you're going to get many people buy the green or the brown. Um you know, you might get one or two people that... Well, we, we do already know someone who has pre-ordered the green, so we know they've got at least one. Yeah, side. but, you know, all right, so you, you'd be realistic. You might get, you know, you might get someone who will get the purple and then the green or the brown or something like, you know, yeah. if you're from New Zealand. But I don't know. I get a feeling that there could be a lot of green ones lying around in four or five years' time. Oh, <laughs> I suspect they, they, they may be made to order. The green ones. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. Um, and, and for those who are wondering why a green phantom, um, that was the colour that he appeared on on the cover of the Women's Weekly in Australia. Um, oh, gee, when was, what year was that? 30? Uh, yeah, pre-40s. Yeah, something no, like that. No, it was so. 38 or 39. Okay. So um, many, well, what's that? Nearly 80 years ago. So... Um, yeah, not a not a common colour, uh, like you say, perhaps a bit of a cash grab. Anyway, um, so that's the <laughs> that's the icon statue, um, and we'll we'll have a review of that because um, I'm one of those. I've done exactly what Jermaine has suggested and uh, pre-ordered that through my LCS, and so we'll certainly be able to have a uh, a video review of that once um, it's available and uh, comes into stores. Um, the next thing we're going to talk about is in the same vein, I suppose, in terms of phantom figures um, or statues. In this case, it is a figure. It's, a, it's an action figure, which is very exciting, mm. uh, from Boss Fight Studio. Now, you've been across this one a fair bit, Jermaine, um, and in conversation with the people at Boss Fight Studio. What can you tell us about these, um, these action figures that are proposed and uh, are in the pipeline? Okay. Basically, if you played with G.I. Joe's, as a child, I did, uh, and you loved how you could hold things, move all the all the arms and the knees and and all that type of stuff. And if I you love that, you'll love this. Uh, basically, the and we're gonna we've already organised a interview with the lead uh, designer or developer or artist or basically the guy who runs the place. Um, and, um, and basically when the first wave is being announced, we're getting him on and we'll, we've already got, you know, two pages full of questions and stuff and he can't wait and we can't wait. So it's, it's going to be huge. This could be, um, quite potentially the best, uh, it will be the best action figurine of the Phantom, but it could quite possibly be the best phantom piece of merchandise for the last 10, 20 years. That's how pumped I am for this. Wow. 
Okay, so talk to me a little bit about have you done have you done research into who Boss Fight Studios are, what they do, what they're Okay, um, so they used to basically it was a whole bunch of guys that worked for Hasbro who did G.I. Joe's, who did okay. Transformers, who, you know, do all the cool action figurines and every then they, kid from the eighties and nineties will know who Hasbro is, I think. Yes. Well basically all those stuff that you loved. They built those and created them and designed them, and then they went into their onto their own. And basically, they, they've been doing uh, they've been doing action figures for quite a while. They've got a, a huge cult following, um, uh, and you know they're going to be doing Flash and the Phantom. So the way I expect it will be is the first wave will probably be five or six, and it will be three five or six the different Phantom. characters. You reckon? I reckon anywhere between. Four to six, I reckon. Okay. Because uh, that's how many of their normal waves do. So they do a wave. So that's like a first release, and then there'll be a second release, and then there'll be a third release. And so... That's probably depending on sales of the, the various... Yeah. Episodes. Yeah, okay. And then they won't put all the good ones up the front. So they might do the Phantom Flash, and then they might do like Ming and a Pirate. Let's just say they do those four. And then if they're popular, then they might do the first Phantom. Then they might do the Flash from the Flash movie then, you know, they might do Diana or they might do, you know. And then the other good thing is that is really cool about it is that they have, they, you can, for all the people that like to create their own stuff, they actually do blanks and accessories that you can paint, build and use as an accessory with the Phantom. Like they've already got very cool looking horses, white horses, so okay. there's there's heroes straight away. They've got um uh they've got accessories like like armor. So if you're into the Phantom and the first Phantom uh on the Battle of Malta, you could quite possibly do like a Malta um style knight setup with your Phantom. And it's like literally putting clothes on like you would. Okay. So so, so we hmm. can play dress ups with our dollies. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, you know, and they've got a huge following because a lot of the people, and then they actually have blank figurines where you could, so they have blank girl figurines, blank male figurines, and I've already seen some, I've already seen one fan who has made a female phantom and a phantom via the blanks. blanks. Okay. So, you know, you can paint them. And then you can accessorise them. You can give them spears. So you know, obviously, we'll more than likely see maybe Bander and and natives, or you know. So I think if people buy this stuff, which I think they will, we could quite possibly see more. They have not also closed the door on uh, picking up another license, i.e., Mandrake for maybe Defenders of the Earth style. Okay. So. And, this, um, is, this is what I'm saying. This is going to be huge. Okay. So for those of us who have never heard of Boss Fight Studios and that sort of thing, what's their, what's their distribution model? Do they actually get into department stores, your Kmarts, your Targets, and that sort of thing? Uh, maybe not in Australia. Probably more specialised. Where, they are they, where are, are they based? Are they American? They're based company? in America. Yep. Uh, now, prices will probably, I haven't got an exact figure, but it will probably be around the 20 to 35 mark. Okay, so that's, that's their figures, that, that's their, their prices for the toys? Yeah, normally it's around 20 to 30, but then obviously with license, 
you know, you probably I'd expect another five ten bucks on top of that. So yeah, I would expect it to be around fifty. I would expect it to be probably around fifty Australian. Uh, that's. Uh... I mean, it all sounds exciting. Yeah. The price is not exciting. Um, prices never are, I suppose. When no. I think GI Joes, I seem to remember, you know, and of course I'm talking now about late 80s, early 90s in Australian dollars. Um, they you know, about 20 bucks. No, I'm thinking like 8.95, 11.95. That sort of that sort of. Price now you're just showing your age. Um. No, maybe I am. <laughs> no, but but those those yeah. are the sorts of prices I remember. You know, but we've all we've said a lot of times about uh, Phantom Comics are a dollar fifty, and that's what we all remember them to be. So uh, yeah. obviously, inflation kicks in um, at fifty dollars. If they, if hypothetically, and and this is all speculation, and that's and say. that's conserv- that's being conservative as well. Oof, you know, we could. Like to- yeah, okay. Uh, so if they were $50 a pop then, and we're talking four or five, six characters per wave and multiple waves, then that, that could add up. So Yeah, um, but, you know, what what Phantom is cheap these days? Um, there's not much Phantom stuff that pop is finals. cheap. Pop <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess is why they get Billy Zane to sign them. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Well, um, look, there's there's a lot of excitement there. Um, you know, I'm not going to clear a shelf just yet. We're talking about 2020 release date. Mm. Um, spring so. 2020, which is is it spring? I think they said. And that would be an American spring. So that's our. Oh well, that's our our fall. I was about to say that's our autumn. So that's not. Um, it's less than a year. That's probably only eight or nine months, isn't it? So. Mm. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, we'll certainly be keeping an eye out for that. There'll be podcasts, there'll be interviews that we, we have written and published on the website as well. So keep an eye on chroniclechamber.com for yeah. all of the information about those ones. Uh, anything else that you want to say about that before we move to the next thing? No, it, it will be good. Yeah, cool. All right, um, it is, as we said right at the start, there's a lot of big ticket items coming out at the moment. There's another um, Phantom, uh, I was going to say figurine, but it's not really a figurine. It's a miniature in this instance. Um, and we got we all got very excited about the Phantom miniatures that were appearing in the Phantom board game, um, probably mm. because of this hunger for figurines and miniatures and that sort of thing that um, lots of people have. They, they look great displayed on a shelf. Um, something from a little bit, a little bit from left field, and that's these um, Phantom Country miniatures that have been um, suddenly recently floated on Facebook via Wolfric Media, which is a, a very small startup company based out of um, the Gold Coast on, in Queensland, um, who are proposing um, a, a series or a, a set of uh, f- miniatures showing landscape from um, Phantom from the Phantom's world. So um, it's a brilliant idea. It really is. And and when I say left field, it's not something that I'd ever thought of before having no. my own little Phantom Peak, you know, Skull Cave perhaps, but they're, mm. they're talking 10 different um Now do you remember the 10 at the top of your head? Not off the top of my head, but uh, I could find it pretty easily. Um, <laughs> the the one that the the most obscure I would certainly remember the most obscure one was uh, for me was uh, and I'm going to get the the name of it wrong Nyapur or something like that. Um, yeah, Junkar's mm. Kingdom. Which, depending on which comic you read, either in northern Africa or um, on the doorstep of. Um or uh, which end of the yeah. book you read. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And we'll discuss that shortly, I'm sure, uh, when we when we start looking at uh, um, 
some of the, the stories when we do our reviews. Uh, here we are. Okay, so the list of 10 was Phantom Peak and the Skull Cave we've mentioned, uh, Witchman's Peak, Keeler Wee, Whispering Grove, um, which, of course, Whispering Grove would look very, very cool, I think. The Misty Mountains, the Isle of Eden, the Eastern Dark, which I'll be interested to see what that looks yeah. like. Um, Jungle Patrol Headquarters and Naipura, which I mentioned. Did they uh, say Misty Mountains? Video. Misty Mountains, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Eastern Dark, that would be interesting. And uh, look, all of these um, are cre- being designed by Glenn Ford. So, you know, there's some serious street cred there in terms of someone who knows what they're doing and what the design will be. Um, so, you know, it's a big get for, for Wolfric mm. Media to um, to work with an artist of Glenn's calibre. It is a licensed product. Um, yes. And KFS have approved it. Again, we've got a... By the time this, web, um, this podcast goes live, I think you'll be able to go to the website yes. and uh, read the interview with Kelby, who is the... Um, uh, well, the everything, I think, behind Wolfric Media. I was about to say the uh, CEO or whatever, but I think he's, you know, it's, he's, it's a, as I say, it's a small startup um, and with, with fair to say, big ideas and big dreams. Mm. But the fact is that he's already commissioned an artist. He's um, got KFS approval for what he's doing. He has got the artwork. He has produced... Um, prototypes of the miniatures and is showing those photos so you know this is actually a fair way down the track um yes. and is something that is we're talking about starting you know well as we're soon not as going to have to wait people, for spring 2020 no no we're talking about something that we could start uh later this year and uh the yeah. the sales um, or the distribution sounds pretty similar to um the bradford exchange model for those in Australia, I suppose, who would remember that, where um, the knives or the coins, for instance, um, you know, you, you buy one a month and then add it to your set and then get a, uh, a case at the end or, or whatever it is to display uh, those items. Um, you certainly, I think, bought the Bradford Exchange coins that way, didn't you, Jim? Uh, yeah, the first set and then the second set, uh, it was a little bit different, but we won't go into that one. No, and we do address that with Kelby in the um, for people who are, who are nodding their head, going yes, I understand what Jermaine's talking about. If that's a concern for you as well, then um, we do a talk, do we do a go into that with Kelby in the interview. So head to the mm. website and uh, and see what he's got to say about that concern. Um, the big thing with this is um, he's keen to gauge the interest to make sure that it's worth his while doing, which I completely get because there is some big bickies involved in this. By the time you particularly with the uh, um, the licensing of a product like this. Um, it's not necessarily cheap, and that was a reservation I expressed about the Boss Fight Studios thing, but uh, yeah. um, we're talking about the, f- well, he says $45 plus GST, so again, $50 per mini. Um, how how the big time, are they again? Does um, it actually say? Yeah, 48 millimetres wide and 40 millimetres high. So, you know, we're talking about something five centimetres. Five centimetres wide, Three and a half centimeters deep and four centimeters high, so it's it's genuinely a miniature. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm... But it is it is being um, sculpted by jeweler on the Gold mm. Coast as well. So the detail that has come across from Glenn's artwork is pretty cool, um, and uh, and and I think that um, it, they'll look pretty neat. I reckon. Yeah, let's put it this way: we bagged Bradford Exchange for creating crappy items that just felt like, oh, let's just do something, let's just slap a, a sticker on it. 
and, and kind of reusing the same artwork time and time again. And, yeah, exactly. You know, credit to Kelvin and Glenn. They have not done that with that. It's not, you yeah. know, it could have quite easily been, oh, let's just do a bunch of coins with Phantom um, landmarks on it and then we can, you know, have this, the map behind it and you just stick the coin on it, you know, and people would have probably still brought that. Yeah. But this is actually something that would look good in a display case or in the wooden box that they're looking at doing. And they even want to do a map with it as well, which, yeah. you know, is... And it, and it, and it, mm. it's a really cool. Um, we're coming in at a really cool stage where it's it's kind of an interactive design, even because yes. um, there's there's a, a poll on uh, Kelby on the Wolfric Media website. I should uh, spell that W U L F R I C Media. Go and check out their Facebook page. Um, he's got a poll on there at the moment um, saying, well, what's your favourite type of map? And he'd be looking to incorporate those ideas into uh, the final design. So I gather there's, you mm. know, the idea is to have a map that you then place these miniatures on to, to create a three-dimensional version of Phantom Country, um, which is pretty exciting and something that, you know, we as a Chronicle Chamber team have explored the idea of the map of, of Phantom Country in the past and so I think probably particularly appeals to us on that level. Yeah, it will be... I think last time I looked at it, the traditional Sarbari map was winning. Yeah, it's, it gets it's by, almost by like cons- a... By a considerable yeah. margin too, I thought. Yeah, yeah, which, you know, I'm not surprised, but the problem with that map is that half of the landmarks are not on there. Yeah, and and for that reason, you, and this may surprise you, I actually voted for the Phantom Inn map. Um, yeah, because, I did as uh, well. I, oh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, well, but yeah. that, that well, you would the, do that. The, the traditionalist, and, you know, the Cyberry map has a great nostalgic, you know, it... it, it you know, we've all read the comics and we've all looked at it. and It's appeared a number of times across various... Yeah, yeah and well. we all love it. But yeah. to be able to fit those 10 landmarks... Yeah. Uh, and that's the... Yeah, it's, it's exactly the reason why you did it and there's a reason why yep. I did it um, is because it's a more complete... I, to be honest, I actually prefer the old school... Um, version of it not this modern day version that they've got up there which is the one that we've got on the patreon which which is in english if people want to um hmm. uh download it and print it out and use that as the map instead of the instead of the other one or whatever if they want if they feel like doing that but um yeah it's um it'll be interesting to see it's yeah it's i like how he's he's trying to get people's opinions yeah. and, and stuff and, like and- that and as I sort of hinted at before, it, it it is for Kelby a little bit about getting the interest and making sure that what he yeah. produces, he, he's saying limited numbers. Um, I think that'll be kind of limited to what he sees as the likes on Facebook and uh, and interactions that he mm. has. So the more people who get onto Wolfric Media and, and like the page, follow the page, comment on the things, vote in the polls, the more of these will be produced. So um, if it's something that you're interested in, um, head along and uh, and follow that so yeah, you can and save rest of it. For all these Phantom fans that complain about, you know, oh, you know, the Phantom's not as popular and stuff like that, this is your chance to actually do something about it. Yeah. Um, stop whinging and moaning and being in, you know, a sooky la-la and generate some interest about it. Say, yeah, I'll get this or, you know, you, you support it or, or, or whatever. And, you know, I, I don't know, those type of people just really, really frustrate me. Um 
you know, yeah, you might only be a comments reader and stuff like that, but you can still support it and go, yeah, yeah, I really like this. And, mm. you know, the, distribu- uh, the, the payment methods, I think it's $50 basically a month, which, again, is not that much when you really look at it, $50 and even, and a even, month. And even the per month, that's, mm. you know, that's, that's based on the Bradford model. It might be every couple of months. Um, yeah. It depends on, on um, a lot of factors yet. Um, the, and I understand that there's going to be a lot of fans out there that are, you know, maybe pensioners or, or students and stuff like that. But, you know, um, a lot of... It's not of, going to hurt anyone for you to go on and like the page. No, exactly. There's, there's no there's no um, commitment to buy if you go on and like the page. So Exactly. So support um, it. Yeah. We should say that the... Um, the well, there's still a, it's a little bit vague around the box. So the, the map is certain um, that that's that's the plan. Whether the, the there's going to be some sort of extra cost for the box and the map. Um, so the latest figures that Kelby has given me that if that for the commitment, if you were going to buy the the whole box and dice, so to speak, um, would be somewhere north of seven hundred dollars, around that seven hundred seven fifty dollar mark. By the time you get all of the figures, uh, the miniatures and the map and the box. But he has promised, and he's deliberately and apologetically vague about this, um, some sort of um, big surprise to go as, as the, I guess, the icing on the cake. Um, and given given the creativity of this idea and the, how cool this idea is, I'm, I'm actually a little bit excited and, and uh, intrigued by the prospect of this surprise. So um, we've got to be faith that it, uh, there might be something very, very cool. Yeah, that's and, only for people who will be yeah. getting on board from the get go. I think, and I think when people hear the seven hundred dollars, they're going to go, "Oh, crikey!" Yes. And they're, you know, they're going to um, do a double take. Yes. But I guess if if you think about it, that's that's for ten, yes. um, so in a sense, that's over a year. So yes, oh yeah, you know, just a little bit of perspective, and I'm sure you know, like, you know, I don't, we don't know this for sure, but I'm sure if you you know, buy one every two months and split it over that. I'm sure, you know, you could probably, um, you know, talk to him about something like that as well. I'm sure there's, you know, yeah. like, but instead of freaking out and not liking it straight away, you know, actually think about it, yeah. get on board. Go and, and have a look. Um, yeah, have a look. Maybe buy one, see if you like the look of it, and then you can maybe, you know, go from there. Yeah. All right, so um, looking for, and again, uh, exactly the same as uh, the Boss Fight Studios crew. We, as we've said, the written webs, the, the written interview will already be on the website, and we do have a podcast planned with Kelby um, mm. a little bit down the track as uh, he's prepared to release a few more details and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, 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 exactly. It's going to be a little bit, a little bit of success. Oh, I can't, you know, and that's the reason why we wait a little bit because we want to actually get information like you know when can we get the first one and stuff that's why we're holding off on the that's, po- that's podcast with Wolfic <laughs> and also yeah. with um uh with boss fight as well it's just so we can actually talk about stuff and um you things know, that are confirmed and real and gonna happen exactly otherwise we're just speculating and you know we're doing it yeah yeah, we can do that by ourselves. But I think, um, you know, the the chats that we had with uh, Alex and Dale about the board game right from, you know, a year and a bit out from its release show that, uh, you know, things come to fruition if, if you um, approach them. How do you say that? Fruition? 
Fruition. That's it. <laughs> All right. Something else that has come to, well, not fruition because it's an American thing. And uh, we probably haven't done this the justice that it deserves, to be honest, um, across uh, the last six months or so. We've been aware that uh, there's a, uh, a fan film being made in America. Um, Mitch Tony is uh, the uh, pretty central to um, the the creation of um, this film called Ghost Stories. It's actually been, it has been released today in inside the last 12 hours when mm. it's first showing in America. Um, the photos that we've seen on Facebook ha- look like it was a, a pretty cool event with the actors turning out in costume and that sort of thing. Um, whether it's, it's an interesting one and I need to probably... We need to we we need to do some more investigation into this to see. We call it a fan film, but I think it's slightly it's more than that. But it's certainly nowhere near a Hollywood blockbuster. It's um, no. It, it strikes me as being around the level of the the Choloman Ashiri film that um, that we really enjoyed um, that came out of um, Pac, um, India uh, about a year ago. So. Have you have you been following this one much on Facebook? Jim? Um, I must admit it's. Been fairly, uh, it's fairly fresh. Like I might have even been supernova when I was first really made aware of it. Um, you know, which is a good problem to have. Um, and I didn't, you know, I yeah, it's a good problem to have where you're not really on top of everything. So we'll see what we can do. We'll see if we can find out when it will be available for people to watch and. Well, it, it like should that. be soon. So they were talking about releasing it onto YouTube, and I did have some conversations with with Mitch um, probably two months ago. So I probably needed to tell you about that. Um, I'm sorry. Um, you, you have a lot of conversations, and um, um, he was he directed me to some of the other films that he'd released, and they do they do all go to YouTube. So it's again, it's similar to the Choloman movie. Uh, where we will all have the chance to see it. And perhaps um, once that comes out, one of the podcasts we'll do might be uh, another one of those um, commentaries or, or fan commentaries yeah. similar to what we did for exactly. the one. So. Exactly. I think, it, yeah. I think it will be good. It'll, you know, I think it's it's only good, and it's only good when you're having fans either producing their own stuff or, um, yeah. you know, supporting it. And, you know, for the Phantom to be known to the next generation, we need more of it. And we yep. need us, fans, to support them. Yep, absolutely. So, again, to find out more about that one, um, and I'm just doing this as we speak to make sure that it would work, but if you were to go on... Um, if, you get, if you go on to Facebook and do a search for Ghost Stories, and it comes up as Ghost Stories Movie. Yes, so the page is called Ghost Stories Movie. Um, if you jump onto that... Uh, go and like that page. Um, uh, the premiere event, as I said, was last night in Richmond, ooh, VA. That's got me. Do you know which state in America? Uh, Virginia. VA? Virginia, Virginia, maybe. That that could be right, actually. Um, and it it says that it's inspired by the Tom Tyler serial. It's a fan film that catch, captures the original spirit and action adventure of the comic strip. So it is something that I'll certainly, I'm, I'm sure you will too, Jim, um, find out how long it goes for and then make that period of time and sit down and watch it on YouTube as soon as it's available. Exactly, exactly. And yeah, it's Virginia. Yeah, cool, cool. 
All right. So um, more to come on that. And we in that um, in that chat I had with Mitch uh, all those months ago, we did again talk about a podcast interview with him. So um, he's been busy with the editing and the filming. Um, we've been busy with all of the things we've been busy with, and so we'll we'll follow up on that one and see what we can make happen. It will happen. Okay. I think that's all the news. Have yeah. You got anything? No. Let's do it. No. Okay, good. All right, well, it's only been... We, we, we said that we were going to try and keep the whole podcast under two hours. The news has been just under the one. We need to race through the comics. <laughs> okay. So, um, the comics we're going to review, uh, we're going to start with all of the through stories um, that we need to cover. The last one we we actually reviewed on um, on the podcast was through number 1840. So, we are, are they are now, therefore, up to through number 1841, which was the Black Glove special, um, the combined reprints of Black Glove. And I say reprints, it's been... Um, 20-odd years, 30-odd years since Black Love was last seen in in the Fru version. 68-page uh, two-parter. Um, why don't you go first, Jim? What do you want to say about Black Love? A great choice. I, I really enjoyed this story. Um, one of the things I enjoyed about it was that it wasn't 100, issue, uh, 100 pages, which then meant buying this, the signature cover didn't cost... 20 bucks or $15, it cost twelve fifty, so it was a little bit different, um, a little bit cheaper, which which I actually thought was good. The artwork's amazing in this. Uh, the so story you did get tell- the signature yep. cover for this one, yep? Yeah, I got a couple. So when, you, you know, when you're getting a couple, if you can save two, three bucks on each issue, um, yeah. it's it's well worth doing. Um, I must admit, I'm, I'm, I'm with... Miss Tagma, where I'm not really sure how the story has anything to do with what they were supposedly supposed to be uh, learning at school. Um, the last three pages of part two. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, you know, uh, and the other thing that I really like about it is that the fans have been asking for it and Dudley delivered. So yes. that teaches you that if you want it, Make sure you write in and ask for it because you might just get it. Yep. Yep. And um, one of the things that I like about it and is, you know, you learn about how a phantom dies and then there's also the precursor with how the Jungle Patrol comes about it as well. So, like, if you, you know, there's that hint as well where he's talking about, you know, I must get other people to help me fight pirates mm. and stuff as well. So... Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's good. Um, yeah. I'm, I enjoyed reading it again, and I don't always say that about stories that are rehashed and that we always get again. But this was a mm-hmm. good one. Well, it, it has. It, when you say always get again, it's, it's as I say, the second time it's been published in Australia. The first one was 31 years ago. Um, yeah. Which is a little frightening because I had great nostalgic value with this actually because that that. Um, it was first published in in through eight ninety eight and eight ninety nine as a two parter. So um, you know that's almost a thousand issues ago. You're just and, showing your age again. Well, and that's that's what freaked me out when I you know thirty two <laughs> thirty two years a thousand issues and it's nostalgic for me because that that was about the the time that I was really um, starting to really read the fandom on a regular mm. basis, sort of in that in that sort of that bracket. So um, so there was that. 
Um, I I agree with you in what you say about the 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 founding of the Jungle Patrol and the the image of um, we should say that this is written by Clay Sremethi. Um before he was Clay Sremethi, if you like, he was, <laughs> he was writing he was writing under his pen name of Michael Tierras. Um, the artwork is by Nut Wested um, or Knut Westard or sorry Scandinavia, I've butchered that. Um, and and I really like it, and because of because of the I guess the age that I was when I first read it, it really did take me back. Mm. Um, the the particular scene of the and I read it read it yesterday, but I can't remember now. I guess it was the fifth phantom. The particular scene of the fifth phantom dying and showing the ring. Um, you know he's crushed under yeah. the barrel while Black Love the pirate stands over him, having just defeated the phantom. And he knows he's going to die, you know, or, or, he, mm. or he thinks he may well. He's trapped under a barrel in a burning building, and he basically stares down Black Glove. Um, I will come back to you. Look at this ring. You'll see it again. Um, this is going to follow you and haunt you. And it really sets up the rest of the story for his son to take over the mantle and then continue the battle against this uh, against this pirate. Um, so in terms of um, writing to the you know, one of the strengths of the character, that legacy character that we love. Um, I think this is a story that does it really well. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I'm I'm very happy with it. Uh, I reckon we'll move on, eh? All right, just just one last thing that I noticed um, as I read it this time that I didn't notice 30 years ago was that twice, I think once in each part... Oh, the blue they, phantom. They referred to the fact that he's blue played, <laughs> that he's a blue phantom. Um, I actually dug out my copies of 898 and 899 to see if uh, Jim had edited that back in the day, but no, he hadn't. Um, he was blue back then too, so... So in other words, it's... It's a case of when people do a literal translation and then they don't go back and kind of go, you know, like, okay, let's, you know what I mean? Like you, you do the literal let's translation and then you just like leave it. And then, yeah. you know, so it would have been blue in the Scandinavian yeah. um, one and then they wouldn't have, you know, no proofreading. So it happened back yeah. then. Um, <laughs> it's happened yeah. probably for the last 2000 years. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we were just going to touch on the two different covers that were available for this because this was the Supernova special, mm. um, and so that this was the Jam cover um, as well as the standard newsstand cover, which was by Jeff Weigel. Um, really like the back, probably the back cover of Jeff Weigel's of the newsstand. Yeah. Yep. Why? Um, just because it had that whole. You know, it, it had the like, you know, the passing of the phantom, you know, like the, you know, like the the passing of the mantle and stuff like that. In my opinion, mm. that's such a, an important legacy that stands the phantom stands apart from pretty much every other superhero, mm. um, where it's you know, father to son, mm. one generation to the next generation. It's such a powerful legacy, um, mm. and yeah. It, I can understand why it was probably not the front cover, but in my opinion, it was the better image. You know, and it, I hope, it, I hope it, the other artists don't mind me saying it was probably the better image out of all six or seven of them. Well, the others weren't written for or, or weren't drawn for Black Dog. No. They were just given a pirate's theme to go with, so... Yeah, um, and we saw, you know, Princess Sin, um, mm. Sir Falcon and... And, you know, some others as well, so, mm. which is good. It's yeah. good to have some 
I will I will give Steve a shout out. We haven't done it yet this episode, but I did um I did Who? think of him as I I re- remember he used to be on the podcast. I heard a little sneaky little um, rumor that he might actually join us for the next podcast that we're doing. I heard he might sleep through it. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> no, I did. I did think of Steve as I read this because it. I it, as much as I enjoyed it, and I genuinely did enjoy it. Um, Clayce, I, if you if you ever do listen to this, I did genuinely enjoy this story. But I did think of this because I think um, I did think of Steve because it did. One of the things that's a bit of a bugbear of his is that uh, the Phantom loses a lot as you read through this story. Um, Black Love actually kills one Phantom and um, probably would have killed his son if yeah. he hadn't caught a very sudden and very fast-acting version of did, the plague. Yeah, did the plague actually kind of happen that quickly? No, no. It was quick, it, but it, it was days. It was four to four days to a week sort of thing, is my understanding, that the, that the plague took to kill a person. Um, the way it's written here is that it killed him... Hours. ...in an instant, basically, yeah. Um, so, yeah, not necessarily the fandom saving the day himself, but uh, being the, um, the, the um, recipient of good fortune. Sometimes it's good to have the Phantom not always just be like, oh, bad guy, bam, I've yeah. saved the day. You know, it, it is a tricky and, balance for writers, isn't it? Yeah, and it is, the, in a sense, the first adventure of the Sixth Phantom. Yes. And, and if you know your Phantom history, in a very short period of time, he manages to defeat, what was it, four... Heavy seasoned, yeah. Well, Black Lives, um, um henchman, basically. Yeah, you've got Sala, Crusher, um, Bert, and uh, and Redbeard, all mm. you know, one after the other. So mm. you know, and then gets the girl at the, at the same time. So you know, you know, it every a, it every is, yeah. It's a tricky thing for it must be you know, um, it would be a tricky thing for a new Phantom because every time they come on board, the very first thing they've got to do is defeat the person who just killed their dad. Mm. Um, so, you know, you, you're up and against an adversary who clearly is pretty powerful and pretty strong. It's a good test, I suppose. Uh, yeah, for, and for let's, put it, let's do it from a, fan, uh, from a football perspective because, you know, we all kind of, well, not everyone well, that listens I. to this, but you and I, <laughs> yeah. so we'll be able to relate. You know, you, you, most of the fans, most of the times that come in, they're 17 to 20, right? Yeah, yep. There's, you know, there's been some younger, there might be some older, but that average, 17, 18, mm. 19, that's generally when footballers first come into the AFL, yeah, and then it takes, you know, it takes two, three, four years for majority of them, unless you're a gun like Chris Judd, Sam Walsh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, who, you know, Crips, who can step up straight away. Hmm. So, you know, you would expect for the first couple of years, and I think we're seeing that with the 22 Phantom, this 22nd Phantom saga as well, hmm. is that, you know, there are going to be some teething problems. Oh, of course, of course. Um, the second year blues are a thing in footy. I wonder if yes. they're a thing for the Phantom as well. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. All right, that was All right. quick. Yep. Okay, so... <laughs> 
that was a, a neat distraction. <laughs> um, tangents, always the tangents. Right, let's link directly to uh, the next Fru issue, though, um, issue 1842. Um, the really obvious link, I guess, is Jeff Weigel, because we've actually got... And it's not often that these days that Fru has the same cover artist two issues in a row. Mm. Um, and obviously, this is designed around Jeff Weigel being in Australia at the time. Um, and it was awesome for him to be able to see both of these in print um, and uh, and sign the covers of these. So we've got Jeff as the, the cover artist for 1842, Errand of Mercy. Um, and actually, to be fair, his fingerprints are all over this book because he also wrote the story, um, his first ever fandom story. And did he, did he smudge your well. cover? Well, I, I will lay claim to the fact that my copy of Errand of Mercy was the very first um, issue of it that Jeff had seen. Um, when I took it over to him at the, and I may have even relayed this on the last podcast, I'm not sure, uh, but when I took it over to him at his um, at his booth, um, he read over it quite avidly um, and then handed it back to me for getting to sign it, which is why I'd handed it to him in the first place. <laughs> so... Um, so he really he really got a, a buzz out of um, and seeing his work in print like that. Um, not just my copy, obviously, but by the end of the season, mm. he'd probably seen thousands. Fru did an amazing job in getting this comic out early, so that yes. way, you know, and and to be honest, it benefited everyone because it meant that Fru didn't have to send a hundred copies over to America for him <laughs> for him to sign and get them shipped back. So they probably saved themselves what two hundred dollars there. That said, I don't think I've got my signature series version of this one yet. Have you? No. No. So. Yeah. They've got a lot of work to do getting back and uh, getting back on deck. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, but all of the stuff that they obviously had to carry back to the office and resort. So mm. I'm not worried about it. It's just an observation. Yeah. So, you know, they, they did that. But then it also meant that the average Joe, who were lucky enough to attend the Supernova, were able to go get the comic, you know, mm. signed by the... By the creator, and then also by Jason Polos, who was did the um, the gaslight, which is also in this one as well. So mm. um, the um, we should touch on the art, of course. And and now it's only now that I think about it that I'm a little surprised, perhaps, that Jeff didn't have the original art for the cover for Errand of Mercy, and even perhaps Black Glove um, available for sale. He was selling um, yeah. lots of other lots of other artwork. Um, I, wonder I wonder if it was digital. Yeah, quite probably, quite probably. I, I suspect, though, that um, when now, now that Jeff has arrived home and is um, looking at his bank balance, he might start doing a bit more work <laughs> on pen and paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he would have cleaned up quite nicely. Yeah. Um, but so what did you think of the story? Yeah, no, I actually really enjoyed the story. It was um, fun. It was, it, it was a, a simple story um, in the sense that it didn't have all of the, the complications of, of you know, the the historical 20, dramas. Yeah, the see. 20 plot twists. And... Yeah, exactly. It, it brought back the rope people, which I, I love mm. the rope people as a, as a tribe and as a, um, a character group, I suppose, in, in Phantom Stories. Um, I love the idea of this uh, bad guy that was the bad girl who was being bad for good reasons and, um, you know, the complications of that. I really How do you explain that. that to a 10-year-old? Oh, I'd let him read it himself and he can make up his own mind. Um, he quite enjoyed this, actually, Gus. He read this one and um, and quite enjoyed it. So, mm. yeah. Um, good people do dumb things occasionally. 
for good reasons. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it was a, a, a fast-paced story. It's one of those 22 pages that um, are coming out now. A lot of action in it. Um, Phantom being a, mor- a force for moral good. Um, yeah, lots of um, lots of classic tropes about um, people in the jungle who are being helped. There's no by... devil. Is there not? There's devil on the front cover, certainly. Hmm. But there's no devil. Yeah, good point. Good point. I wonder if um, that's because if devil was there, he <laughs> would have um, growled when she. Um, I can't even remember her name. What's her name? Um, whenever she, you know, pick up the stick to to do a yeah, Stephen and perhaps. bash her on the back of the head. Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps. Um, but yeah, no, no devil. Yeah, no. Interesting point. I hadn't noticed that before. No, I haven't um, did, did you enjoy the story? I did. It was fun. It was, you know, it was fun. It was clean. It was, you know, it had, you know, it's the type of story that you would almost put it in as a must-read. If you're a new fan, mm. this, you know, and there's been this discussion recently on one of the Facebook pages, which is actually something mm. I am working on, so I'm... I've been working on it for probably about a, a couple of months. Um, creating, like, a, you know, like if you're a new fan, you, I would almost put this story in that list of stories that you must read because yeah, right. it, it, it's the Phantom. You, do you know what I mean? Like, it, it is the Phantom. It's, it's, it's what the Phantom's all about. Hmm. You know, it, it's a, it's a jungle story, which, you know, I don't think we see enough of and, and yeah. lots of us love the jungle phantom, but you're right. I, I, when you say it's the phantom, I think that's, you know, on one sense, well, duh, obviously it's, it's the phantom, <laughs> but no, I, I know what you mean. It's, it, it embodies so much of what we love about the character and why we are phantom fans and not Superman fans, etc. Exactly. Um, it yeah. features, you know, someone who does good, who, you know, is human, who does make mm. mistakes, um, but, you know, at the end of the day, saves the day, but it's not so rigid that it's like, oh, no, you did this, you must go to jail. It's like, yeah, I can kind of see why you did that. Let me help you. Let's, you know, at the end of the day, let's make sure that someone gets better and mm. that we are putting together uh, relationships, families, instead of separating families. Mm. It's the Phantom. It's why we love the Phantom. Jeff, uh, in, and if you've listened to our, uh, our podcast, you'll listen to his speech. He doesn't want to break the Phantom. He wants to polish it and put it back and make the Phantom better. And this story is a brilliant way great of... Example, isn't it? Uh, it's a great example. Now, um, the artwork, I, I, I think most people would, um, most people are on board with uh, Jeff's artwork and I think most people would say that the Sunday stories are, are really humming in terms of the, the level of um, clarity and um, the, um, the detail that, that Jeff brings to it, just the right sort of level of detail. Mm. I really enjoyed reading this, though, where he was able to break out of the... The, the Sunday format where you yeah. didn't have to write to the to the eight or the nine panels, so to speak. Um, what Big did panels. You think of, yes, and, and the variety of sizes and the way that he's used them. 
Um, did you enjoy that as well? Yeah, you know, like the angles. Like I'm looking at page 12 where, you know, the first one, the guy's picking up the gun and it's a nice skinny mm. one. And then you've got, you know, on page 13, you've got the middle panel, which is big. Mm. And um, so, you know, you've kind of got the different things. And then on page 14 where you've got the gun mm. kind of poking out of the, um, you know, the pocket and stuff. So you're right, he does have big, you know, big panels. It's a fast-paced story. Um, and, you know, other, you know, it, it's, it's nice to have complicated stories and stuff like that occasion. You know, it is nice to do that, but it's also nice to have these phantom stories where, you can actually enjoy it because this mm. brings me back to my childhood where, mm. you know, you pick up a Phantom comic, you read it, and for that 30 minutes, you don't have to worry about the test. You don't have to worry about whether you like that girl or whether she likes mm. you or all of those other life problems as a, as a kid. It's just you and the Phantom, mm. and that's now, more. We should have more of that. As, as we flick through, I'm looking at page 18, and that's, um, you know, that's probably as graphic as uh, violence as we often see the, the Phantom meet out. Um, he's thrown a knife, and quite clearly and graphically, it stabs the bad guy, who, who's the genuine bad guy, in the back of the hand. Um, what are your thoughts on that, the, uh, the stabbing, so to speak? Um, you know, it, it didn't really bother me. No, well, I clearly wasn't too worried about it because I, I let my ten-year-old read it. So, uh, <laughs> it either makes you a good parent or a bad parent. Yeah, um. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, look, they see much worse in um, in in other comic books and and whatever movies and that sort of thing now. Um, oh, they see much worse in PG movies and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, it's, it's just an. Inter- I thought I'd raise it because it's not something we see in in lots of Phantom stories. No, you know, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's not really neither there or there, neither here or there. Yep. So about Gaslight. Yeah. Happy to see Gaslight. No, well, before we get to Gaslight, like, to finish off on this, um, we did um, obviously talk in our last podcast about um, the artwork for this being on sale. Now, um, I don't think it's it's asking too much. For, the listeners would be asking too much from us to um, divulge. We both purchased a page from this story. Um, yep. Which page did you get, Jim? Uh, which I think it was uh, 17. No, sorry, 19. 19. And just as a quick description of that page? So the Phantom's just throwing the knife as we talked about, talks to the guy, and the bad guy throw, starts to throw the punch, and then half the page is the Phantom punching the guy out and scale marking him. And, and is that bottom half of the page the reason you bought that page or you chose pretty, that page? Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there was a couple of other pages that I really, really liked, but that was just, you know, just the whole punch and, and stuff like that kind of spoke a lot to me. Hmm. Um, and um, I was lucky enough to pick up the the, actual, the very last page, page 25, as it appears in the comic book. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. For, for I guess similar reasons, the the really big image at the bottom half of the page, which is Phantom sitting on Hero, and um, uh, you know, sort of the whole story is wrapped up. He's standing there with the in amongst the rope people and and looking at the helicopter as it flies away. So um, mm. I was really pleased. And, and I, as I think I said, um, 
you know, there was only six or seven pages left, and for this one still to be sitting there, I was I was really quite pleased. Uh, yeah, that's definitely one of the better ones. Cool. Yeah. All right, come on, we're All right. Move. Gaslight. <laughs> so, Gaslight, this is the first time it's appeared in probably a year without Over going back year. and looking up it's about precisely. about 13, 14 months. Yeah, so it's it's been a while. Now, there's... Um, there's it's clearly uh, probably the thing that stands out to me that on the very first page is the change in credits the slight change in credits Mm. um this is episode seven uh it continues to be written by christopher sequera and um drawn by jason paulos the editors are glenn ford but we also have on board now as part of the editorial team glenn lumsden as well um so this is the first time that uh, glenn lumsden has had his hands on gaslight um do you think you could tell that uh that there's an extra influence on the story um now i'm a little bit biased because i kind of knew about it well, we both did kind of knew about it, but I think yes, because uh, it's not as wordy. And, like, I've, I must admit, I've had a bit of a love, not a love, not a love hate, but a, maybe a, a love, not so sure about this. You know, like, at times I've enjoyed it, and at other times I've not enjoyed it. Mm. Um, I've, I can see the difference. But, you know, like I said, I am biased because I've kind of known about the difference. Um, So I'm probably not the best person to ask about it. But it's, yeah, I I don't know. I think I'm going to have to reserve judgment on this whole series until I probably reread the whole lot at the end of the day, which I believe there might only be a couple of episodes left. Yeah. Oh, look, I think that um, for me, yeah, I, I agree with most, uh, what you're saying there, and um, it probably was a loaded question because um, <laughs> having 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 had conversations um, with other fans and with uh, the creators in uh, in Sydney, we knew that um, before we'd read the story, we knew that Glenn had come on board and um, that he'd uh, tried to, I guess, make it more engaging for your regular phantom readers who have, a, I guess, a certain expectation of the character. The thing that really jumped out to me, there's probably one particular now, it's um, not word the, balloon. When you say jumped out, is you talking about maybe Spring Hill, Jack? No, 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 no not at all. The thing that jumped out <laughs> to the me guy, is... That's the bad guy. It's... Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, and he can jump. Yes, I see what you're saying. Um, no, I, I wasn't trying to be that clever on that occasion. Um, <laughs> the on page thirty, bottom left hand corner, there's a um, the the three phantoms as we as we now know exist in Gaslight um, are standing together, and um, <laughs> I, guess, I guess the male traditional phantom is talking to his sister, and he says, "What can you tell us about this site, then, Julie? And please, without the Cockney brogue, if you don't mind." And I think that that's been one thing that some um, that some fans have probably found a bit of a struggle and I, I would certainly count myself sometimes you yeah. read it and go oh gee I, I, the cockney the cockney slang is has been thrown on a little bit thick if you if you like and and it's um mm. it's almost to the point of being trite um so, my elms could find a snowflake in a cellar of stilton like yeah 
It, it's all and, and, and they seem to be Stilton? eating this way. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. And it's almost like they've they've made a, a point of going, okay, no, we're going to we're going to bring. And that's one of the things you can do in comics. Um, yeah. You can almost take a, an immediate or a hard left hand turn or a hard right hand turn um, in a in a single issue um, or, or chapter in this case, and next chapter. Um, you know what happened, to and you can have a bit of a bit forgotten. of fun at the expense, you know, at the expense yeah. of it as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a bit of a bit of fourth wall um, breaking down there. Yeah. Like, like, where are you? Like, where are you with the whole gaslight? Like, I'm glad to see it back because I would like it to be finished. Just <laughs> well, <laughs> that kind of sounds bad, but in in, in the sense that you know, I would like to actually read the whole story, you know, and hopefully we get it as maybe a, a, um, a what do you call it, a trade paperback yeah. or, you know, where we can actually read it from one, you know, episode one to episode X. But, you know, it's, yeah. I, um, so where do you kind of see yourself with it? Are you, are you, are you enjoying it as the whole or are you still in the wait and see or are you not enjoying it? Well, I'm still reading it. Um, which is more than I can say for Heart of Darkness. So yeah. if that's uh, and when when I say still reading it, this is the first opportunity in over a year, as we've said. So I certainly did read it um, and and have have read every issue uh, or every chapter as it's come out. Um, I'm, I'm I'm in the same basket as you there. I think I, I'm keen to probably make a judgment when I read it from start to finish as a package. Um, if I had to say right now which way I'd probably come down, I'd probably say that I have not enjoyed it if I, if, if I had to make it a call one mm. way or the other right now. Yeah. But um, I'm not firm on that, and I'll reserve judgment until I, I guess, have the chance to read it from start to finish as a go, as in one go. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I think I think that's fair. Um, I, I admit I've enjoyed the experiment. I've enjoyed the take of yes. it. Yes. Um, you know, I'm not one who dislikes the Phantom being done slightly different, you know, to test the market in a sense, you know, and we've seen a bit of that. We've seen Phantom and Kids, we've seen Kid Phantom, we've seen Gaslight, we've seen, you know. So we, 22nd you know, Phantom. Yeah, 22nd Phantom, we've seen 2040, you know. We've kind of seen different universes or side splinter universes, whatever you want to kind of call it, and I don't mind that, and I don't mind this, but I'm still... I'm doing a Stephen, and I'm still on the fence when it comes to this series so mm. far. Mm. Yep, no, completely fair. Um, yeah, that's where I'm at as well. So uh, I think I think both of us really support the idea of yeah. a thing like Phantom by Gaslight. We want to see um, new ideas come through. We love Australian creative teams. We want to see them succeed. Um, whether this has worked remains to be seen. Mm. Yeah, awesome. Okay. Um, the next through is the most... No, it's not even the most recent through, is it? Well, um, by the time this comes out, there'll be another one coming out. Because 1844... So th- we're talking about 1843 now. 1844, which is I, I alluded to Grange Wallace's cover. We've seen the cover um, online and it's available... And on Chronicle Chamber Facebook page. Yes. Yeah, well, that's part of the online... World yeah, well, right. if you want to see the upcoming throughs, <laughs> that's the place to go see them. Absolutely. Um, you can. It's available for purchase on Brew's website as well. Yes. Um, but I don't believe it has appeared in any news agents yet. So we can't talk about uh, issue 1844. So instead we'll discuss, and I think 
for once, I'm going to be prepared to let it slide. We might talk about through 1843 pretty briefly. Yeah, um, <laughs> great stories, same things as always. Um, so it's the Collector's Replica series. It's number yeah. 20 um, for for those who are counting. Um, they're 1959 reprints, uh, Princess Valerie Part 1, The Crybaby and Whirlpool Channel. And I agree, all great stories. I really enjoy all of these stories. Crybaby is probably my favourite out of the three. Um, uh, yeah, I'd agree. Yep. It, I'd go with that. Yeah, and there's a story that reminds me similar in the Phantom's World as Crybaby as well. Um, uh, yes, and in comparison, Crybaby is lots better. Yeah, yeah. The art's not, though. Um, oh, I'll dispute you on that. Yeah, but that's fine. But I'm looking forward to what we will see for the next cover. Yes, me too. So this is um, number 20. Yeah, um, so of the generally so, 21. Yeah, so numbers 1 through to 10 were the... Um, lamp. The bust, the, the lamp, um, possibly one of the lamer covers ever. Um, I liked it this for the one, first one or two. Yeah, but when, when you saw it 10 times. And, and I really liked this, um, this bust by Eden Smalls. For the um, first couple. I probably enjoyed it for up to the first four, <laughs> but it starts to get uh, a little repetitive. And um, as a yeah. serious collectors, I've probably got enough Eden Small signatures. No offence, Eden, if you're listening. Um, I've probably got enough Eden Small signatures in my collection now. Um, I'll be. I'm. We we're speculating. We've got absolutely no idea that this is actually going to happen. But we hope that this is there's a trend there of every ten issues they. Oh, maybe maybe not every ten. Maybe every I don't know. Maybe every five or something. Well, at least every ten. <laughs> dead set minimum. Dead set minimum. No, every no. Five, every five would be cool. Ten's too much. Because ten, if you really think about it, it's four a year. That's two and a half years. So for two and a half years, we've seen the same colour. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Let's wait and see what uh, Collector's Replica Series number 21 holds for us. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Here we go. All right. So that brings us to the end of the the regular issues of fruit. Now, there have been some other uh, fruits coming out. I'm going to jump around a little bit here, and uh, despite what the run sheet says, because... Um, You've been doing it all night, to... so why not? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's go to, I guess, the, the regular... Um, specials that Fru put out and so let's go to Kid Phantom number 8 which has only come out um, in the last week or so in newsagents um, I put out a question on Facebook today about um, subscribers and it would seem that about 20% of if, if the, the comments to my question are anything to go by about 20% of subscribers have received their copy uh, but it has been in newsagents for a week or more as we speak um, have you had a chance to pick up a, a I, copy? Yeah, I basically went to my newsagent and got it. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, which, I don't know. I'm sure it's not going to, you know, it's not going to hurt uh, buying an extra copy. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe the sales for um, uh, issue issue number eight will peak a little bit because every all the subscribers <laughs> um, who didn't get theirs got impatient uh, and um, you know picked up a uh, picked up a newsagent copy <laughs> okay so um, kid phantom number eight I uh, it's interesting it's, it marks a bit of a change in tack 
mm. or I guess the the books. Not so much the story because we see a continuation of the story of young Kit and young Garan um, making their way to Clarksville and, and the story... Um, let's talk about the story briefly and then I'll, I'll explain further what I mean about the book. So the story is called Man's Best Friend. It basically follows um, Diablo, the new um, friend of the Phantom, of, of Kit, the, of, of young Kit Phantom, um, a coyote that they've rescued who causes havoc on the train and then alerts them to a bank robbery and then Kit and Garan, you know, spoil the bank robbery and uh, arrest the bad guy. Um, fair summary? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess you're pointing to the fact that it's shorter. It is shorter. It's only, well, it's it's only, it's 22 pages long, which is the same as the, uh, oh, I guess it's um, minus the two. So it's 20 pages long, um, according to the numbering here. Um, which we assume are all right. <laughs> 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 Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Um, um, did you enjoy the story? The, the... I did. I did. Yes. Um, it was fast. It yes. you know it moved along really really quickly, um, which I guess you kind of have to do in a twenty page story. Yeah. Um, now we had already read, I guess, six or maybe eight of these pages. To be honest, um, I didn't just... read those purely because oh. yeah. Well, I don't know, maybe I was just being lazy or maybe I forgot or um, I, let's just say I wanted to actually get the whole story. Yeah, um. let's say that. Um, for those who, who weren't in Sydney, um, the, about, um, I, and, I, and I would have to um, go back to the Supernova um, uh, program to know exactly, but about six or eight pages of this story. Yeah, started at page seven. Right. And um, and that appeared in the so it's basically the middle third of the of yeah. the story appeared in the Supernova program mm. as I guess a bit of a teaser to try and get people to come along and uh, get involved. In which the, is a great which is which is a great thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. it wouldn't be cheap for free to do something like that with the you know with the card in the Sydney show bag and you know six pages in the Supernova program as you well know. as a full-page advertisement. And, yeah, it yeah. wouldn't have been cheap, and, you know, I reckon more power to them for, for doing stuff like that. Absolutely, absolutely. No, I enjoyed the story as well. One of the things we always do with uh, Kid Phantom is look for the... Um, Easter eggs. Look for the Easter eggs. Now, I've got to be uh, upfront and say I didn't find no. heaps this time around. No, um, I didn't we, find we many saw either. A, we saw a... Um, a reprise of the train, the the, yes. the Fru branded train with 1948 on the front of it, um, on page seven, uh, which is obviously the reference to um, when Fru started. Um, that was the only one that I found, Jim. Mm, um, I must admit, I read it twice. I read it first of all, and then I kept trying to look for um, Easter eggs. I'm like, no, just focus on the story. You can go back. Yeah. And, <laughs> so then I went back and do it. There's Route 66 on page nine. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that I'm sure some of these people are probably going to be um, uh, people that we don't know. I wonder if Paul does tend to do that, doesn't he? Yeah, on page twelve on his gun on his gun holster, you got FS. I wonder if that kind of seems oh, to I, be one. I thought that was just the for fast shot. He's, the character's name is Fast uh, Shot yeah. Charlie. So yeah, true. Um, but you yeah, know, I must admit, I didn't 
really see any apart from the through train. Mm. Um, I did like, and, and while you've got me on page 12, page 13, um, Garand does reference back to the trotter um, and then yeah. they, they talk about, oh, you know, to find out more, see previous issues of Kid Phantom. So if this was the first story you picked up, you, you might want to go back and... Um, so I thought that was a nice little way of trying to get people to go back and read previous stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah ex- that's, that's a very good point. But, you know, I didn't... I couldn't see any, but... Yeah. Yeah, you know. That, I'm sure... Um, I'm sure, he's, I'm sure to, he's, Paul's giggling as he's listening oh, to this. It'll be partly out of um, amusement that we can't find them and partly because it's 2.30 in the morning and he's sleep-deprived. So, um, so <laughs> a tip of the hat to Paul uh, <laughs> listening to this one. Um, so that's uh, that's the, the, the main story of Kid Phantom. Now, for the first time in a Kid Phantom book, we actually see a filler story at the end, and, and mm. that's probably not the... Um, that's not a very kind word to, to say about it, but uh, we see a, um, a supplement story, similar in the way that, I guess, Gaslight and Heart of Darkness have been working. Um, this is called Origin, um, Jungle Friends, and it's interesting that there's no information. I scoured the book. There's absolutely yeah. no information about um, author or artist or um, editor, with the same way that there is with, uh, with the other story. Um, now, I've got my thoughts around that, but, uh, Jim, I'll pass over to you well, first. what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, you put a post up on Facebook today highlighting that um, some of the, the cards, um, the, the Phantom Gallery Series 2 cards, had um, clues or, or little um, previews of people who are doing work for Fru. And I have, you didn't put it in the post today, but I reckon one of those is the artist behind this. Yeah. Washington, and I think his last name is. From Wellington. Is Wellington? Wellington Diaz. I got the so, W bit right. Yeah, um. you, you know, you, you're in the ballpark. That's... Um, I, <laughs> You're not going to win in Scrabble, but... Um. <laughs> no, all trivia pursuit, but um, no. depending, so you know, you depending if you're in a good mood, you might give me a quarter of a mark. <laughs> yeah, that's right, half marks. It was his first name too, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, for those of you who've got the cards, it's card number 60 from the Latin Legends um, section of the book. And on the it is a, the the card is a picture of a uh, a girl phantom and um, I guess following the story of this this little filler story and the the back says Wellington Diaz is a young Brazilian artist who has begun working on Phantom Girl a backup feature in Kid Phantom for through publications so um, yeah. my you know keen detective work leads me to believe that uh, he might be responsible for this story what, what's um, the birth date story. what's the birth date for um, Mr. Washington, I mean Wellington? Uh, 1969. And he's so a young he's, phantom? He's a young not, artist? Not necessarily a young phantom artist. <laughs> but um, Jason Paulos' birthday was given as 1969 too, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, no, I think it was so, 61 and then he corrected oh, it no, to 69. Oh, no, he was born in 69, so, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. So we think that the artist is Wellington Diaz. We don't know who may have written this. Um, I'm not sure. It could be Andrew Constant, who's written all of the other. I reckon um, it would be. But I'm not. I'm not convinced. Um, I think it might even be. Uh, it could be Henriquez, Gabriel Henriquez, who who wrote the very first Kid Phantom, um, because the cards we know here, have been in the pipeline for a while. Yeah. So. 
I think it's I think it's Andrew Constance or maybe even Paul Mason, and I go with that because you and I have been lucky enough to watch that one minute video of the Kid Phantom, where a lot of people have it's about four minutes, but yes, I yes know what you mean. But you know, is it four minutes? Yeah, so we're talking about, uh, and, and we could, we should probably look it up. But a couple of years ago, um, the the film school that Paul Mason teaches at Griffith um, Griffith University in Brisbane, one of his students or a group of his students did an animated short film of Kid Phantom, and um, so yes, it, that that story has been around for a while. And for those who came in late or who haven't had the chance to see that because it's not been published anywhere um, or, or shown in very many places, the storyline is drawn heavily from this mm. origin story that we've got here, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Now, I, I, I love that. I was reading it and I'm going, hey, this looks familiar. Hey, oh, mm. and then I thought that was quite awesome. And I thought a good way of tying it in would be to actually release that. I'm not sure they... You know, I'm not sure when they are allowed to release it or whether they even, you know, can. But it, you know, it would be good to, you know, release it on Facebook and stuff like that with the tie-in of this mm-hmm. as well. Because, you know, the good the good thing about this story is that it focuses on a girl, um, and you know, it it opens it up for another demographic. Hmm. Well, I'll be really interested because, as I, as I said, subscriptions. Well, my subscription hasn't arrived, and and my son has got a uh, uh, his own subscription just to Kid Phantom, um, and his copy hasn't arrived, and I haven't shared my <laughs> my newsagent copy with him um, <laughs> because he likes to open his own. He, he likes to open the parcel, and it's his book, and that's that's where he gets it from. So I'm leaving that for him. I'll be really intrigued to to see his response to to this story because it's um we we've said phantom girl from the back of the card and um this little eight pager ten pager um does ultimately you know spoilers if you haven't read it yet but you should have um does ultimately end with um this young bander girl um assuming a version of the phantom's Mm. costume i would have preferred um, if she stayed in the phantom costume rather than the green thing at the back it's, yeah, it's an interesting one. I got a surprise when I turned the page. And, and I know mm. she says, um, I want to make a few changes. We, I, I don't know what she, why she says we can't have Phantom Purple. I guess because there is a Phantom. And, uh, yeah, so but you could have gone with, say, like red or blue, you know, like a, like a, or even grey, you know, like a nod to the other Phantom colours. I just think changing the whole costume, it, in my opinion... It was the. It was probably the only thing I wasn't really. I kind of looked at it and I went, oh, "I'm not really sure about that." I loved everything else about the whole issue. I loved, you know, the origin story. I loved the Kid Phantom story. I just was left a little bit hollow from a Phantom's fan's point of view with that last page. Yeah, and it's and it's particularly surprising because the um, the freebie the pin that came with it yeah. is this character, but she's wearing the purple um, do rag, so to speak, the the the, um, the headwear, um, and that is purple with a skull, and then that's not what you see on the last page mm. when um, she's adapted it to green. So, 
Um, and even yeah, the, I, I, even I, the logo is a little bit different on yeah. on a head. Yeah. So, no, I, I would agree with the, exactly what you've said there, Jim. I, I really enjoyed the story. It, I, I got a, uh, a real uh, thrill out of being able to see the, the, the film that we'd watched in, in story form um, and, and expanded on in the story. And then you turn the last page and go, oh, it's green. If, if that had been purple, fine. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a weird, it's a, not weird, it's an interesting choice. I'll be interested to see where they go with it in, in future issues. Well, even if like the, I don't know, even if she had the skull on the, on the front and the skull on the head or something to kind of sort of make it phantomish, it just, mm. it, like, you know, I can understand having a different colour and, and going the green. I would have preferred if it was, say, a blue, red, or even a grey. Um, and then if it kept the fan, the skull logo. But we're only eight pages in. Let's, I guess, let's and, let's and see what we, happens. We're speculating we are, a lot. We're in the thirty-five to forty-five year age bracket too. Who, uh, it's, we're not the target audience for this. We've got to keep remembering this. What did you say, thirty-five so. to forty-five? Yeah. Oh, okay. That covers both of us, doesn't it? Yeah, just. Just. Yeah, I just. You're not 30. forty-six yet. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. I'll give you that one. Um, but no, apart from that, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, it will be interesting to see whether Phantom Girl, let's just call it Phantom Girl, until we know something else. Well, that makes a lot more sense than girly kid something. Which is what she calls <laughs> but I thought that was funny. I like that. And then oh, how no, she yeah, goes, yeah, that needs a bit more thought. Or, or no, it needs a butt more thought or a bit more thought. Um, yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's a reason why no one's got their name on the editors. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but I, I loved that little comment and stuff like that. Like yeah. what I'm saying, I loved everything about it, just except that that bit we talked about. But I yeah. don't think that takes away from... And I'm, looking, a, I'm interested because I haven't had a chance to read it to my daughter yet because we've been doing podcasts instead. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it to my daughter because she likes DC Superhero Girls, which is all about a bunch of girls playing mm-hmm. superheroes. So I'm interested. And she enjoys Kid Phantom. She loves Kid Phantom and stuff like that. But I'm interested just to see, as a girl, on the younger side of the target audience, but how she's going to react to it. And then it will be interesting with Gus, who's probably, you know, who's smack bang in the middle of the target audience, but is a boy, whether he still gets a kick out of it as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, to be advised in future ep- mm. episodes of Expand, the Phantom Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so let's... Oh, the other thing that I was going to say, and, and may I might be wrong here, but... Um, the the splash page or the the feature page right on the inside front cover. Am I am I kid myself? Or is that a new version um, of we what we see there? Is the for those who came in late sequence? I think that's um, been in there for story. a while. Wasn't it the suddenly mysteriously sometimes awkwardly works alone? Wasn't there that? Yeah, that I don't know. Few? I don't know. We'll have to double check that, but. I'll have to double-check that, but I thought it was the same. Maybe that's the first time I've paid closer attention to that page uh, in a while. That's, that's possible. These things happen. 
All right. Um, so, Kid Phantom, um, I, I was really pleased to see it finally too. And um, maybe, and again, speculating here, maybe it was the Phantom Girl um, working past King Features that might have been um, uh, part of the reason for fan, uh, this issue eight being a little bit delayed. It could be. It could be the fact that you that you got another artist as well that you're dealing with. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, that's you know, instead of just the one artist in Paul Mason and Andrew Constant that you're, you know, having to budget time and stuff for, you've also got another one. So, yeah. you know, I guess there's, I guess it could, you know, there's, there's various reasons. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's a good story. It's, it's fun, and yeah, it was a good issue. And you know, we're now up to eight issues. I think it might be time to get the guys back on. Well, they may know who the author of the Phantom Girl is for a start. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> oh, it. You know what? During this podcast, I think we've lined up or discussed the need for at least six more podcasts. Oh. <laughs> but I agree. I, it, it probably is time to get Paul and uh, and Andrew back on. And mm. speaking to them a month ago in Sydney, they're both keen to uh, to do that at some point as well. So, All right, cool. Okay, so um, next um, regular uh, special through is the um, Phantom's World number nine, um, which has sort of snuck into the mix. Um, now, this of... was available at Supernova on Sunday. On I, the... I saw it on Sunday, but I do not remember seeing it on the Friday or the Saturday. I, it was not there, and it might have even been you that alerted me to the fact that, or someone has put a photo up saying, oh, yeah, Phantom's World's here, and I was like, oh, I was there yesterday, and uh, could have Because I was there with John, and we were just looking, and we were going, oh, hang on, Phantom's World, and, does, it, and then we were It does like, stand oh. out, it's a really bright yellow yeah. colour, cover, um, that I think would have popped out of the, um, out of the racks of things that they had there. Out of the, yeah, out of the, out of the, well... What's the saying about, you know, saying standing out of a forest? Because it literally was probably a dead forest on the fruit table as well. A dead was, forest. Oh, there was a lot, oh. there was a lot of comics to buy there. So, a lot of paper. Yeah, a lot of paper. A lot of so we could have missed it, but <laughs> yeah, I don't think we did. No, I don't think so. It, it really is a, it's a stunning bright yellow cover. Mm. Um, I don't, it's not signed. I feel like it's a Romano Felmang. I I don't. It's I think it's a, I think it was an old Egmont cover. Okay. Um, I'm going to have a look while you talk about Phantom's World. Okay, so Phantom's World special number nine. Um, it's got, and I feel like yeah, well, Germ will prove me wrong in a moment, but I feel like it's got a two Felmang issues on the. Uh, it, Images of front and back. Um, it's back to Fratelli Sparta. Um, so we, we were in Brazil for the last Phantom's World. We're back to Italy now where we've spent um, most of our Phantom's World issues have come from Italy. And so we're back there again. And, um, uh, well, spoilers, in our next podcast uh, or one of the, the future podcasts, we've already recorded it. It's going to come out soon we talked to a creator who was deeply influenced by Fratelli Sparta comics and La Uma Emascarado I've got that wrong but um, 
Luumo Mascara. Yeah, anyway. Um, someone who was deeply influenced by those Italian comics of the 1960s and 70s. And so I probably read it through different eyes, thinking, well, how might this influence an up-and-coming or aspiring um comic book artist and and that was interesting to read it and that's in that way um there are four stories in this issue um in the the 100 page special uh we've got evil eyes the education of clarence crucible which is the one that is similar to the crybaby um or that sort of same theme we talked about earlier uh shrinking potion is the third story and witness for the prosecution was the fourth one um have you been able to come up with any information about the cover germ no perfect timing it was penciled by filming and painted by rudy walk so we we're both right in the sense that it was filming and it wasn't filming and right. it was it has been used before in phantom men which is the swedish 16 2001 for sweden norway and finland uh, but they used a blue background, which was rather interesting because the blue kind of merged with the Phantom. But the mm. Finland version actually used a yellow version, which stood out a lot better, and that's what Fru went with, and it's a good choice going with the yellow instead of the blue. Oh, there you go. Well, that's uh, that's quick research and well done. Good on you, mate. So the uh, the four stories, Let's how are we going to attack this? We, okay, of the four stories... Evil Eyes, Education of Clarence Crucible, Shrinking Potion, or Witness for the Prosecution. Which was your favourite? Okay, probably the last one, which was the Witness one, the Witness for the Prosecution. Mm -hmm. And then I did actually enjoy the Clarence, um, which is the story that we're talking about, which kind of reminded me of the Crybaby in a roundabout way. Mm. Education of Clarence Crucible. But I... I enjoyed this issue a lot more than the last the last couple of Phantoms World from Italy. I thought the stories the stories were were more solid, and it was nice to kind of get a range of artists, if you know what I mean. Because hmm. like, uh, let's just call him Scotty, um, who was the witness for the prosecution. Like the panels were bigger, it was more blocky. It was you know five to six panels each page, and but they were nice and big and and stuff like that. And it 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 felt like a um, a fifties gangster type of hmm. you know movie. Um, and hmm. it was it was it was nice. It was you know yeah the Phantom didn't appear much in in the story, but I enjoyed the art. Um, and then, like, the last two panels, that is so forkish and barryish on page 98, where at the end of each story, they're in the garden, Lily's going, bar humbug, and, yeah. you know, they end, then it finishes off with them embracing the garden. It was just, you know, it, you know... Which is which is lovely. One yeah. panel after someone's been sentenced to the electric chair and is going to die, <laughs> he literally says the bad guy who they've just put in prison. The electric, the electric chair. chair I'm really going I'm to die. Really going to die. <laughs> so and and oh okay, let's embrace in the garden in the next in the next panel. Um, that's not something that would have appeared in a fork story. Uh, not as yeah yeah. There, there was one. <laughs> I think there was a drug baron. That was um, uh, that was done to life sentence or, or or the electric chair or something like that. But yeah, it, it um yeah, it's. It, he I, I'm it. with you. He deserves it. I'm, 
yeah, well, probably he did, and 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 it's probably very realistic in America at that stage. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I probably enjoyed the stories in the same order as well. Witness for the prosecution was probably my favourite of them. Um, for for similar for for the same sorts of reasons that you've said there, I liked the four various art styles yeah. across the four different stories. Yeah. Um, shrinking potion, you know, that alluded to or, or had hints of fork stories as well. I'm thinking the um, uh, the veiled lady. The... Sorry, kind of reminded me of the veiled lady where they went in the volcano. Yes, um, veiled lady is the veiled, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, so there's, there's that. And then you got the wolf man where the devil jumps on Hevel's, uh, Hevel's hero's back, which was a yep. scene out of the wolf man, which was a, um, Lewis McCoy classic. Yeah. And it really does go to show how, um, heavily influenced the Italians were by, uh, and how much they not copied, but, um, you know, really employed the, the, the techniques and the strategies that uh, Fork and, and Barry in particular um, mm. had had shown. So, yeah. Now, so let's the talk- artwork okay. of that story of like with the with the with the animals Shrinking and place. stuff like that. It was like the story. The story was a bit. The story was like weak. Probably the second weakest story, but the artwork was was really enjoyable. Yeah. And and that's probably fair for all four of these stories, I thought. The the artwork was um there's a bit of variety in yes. the four. You can tell that they're all sort of influenced in the same way, but there's certainly variety amongst the four. Um and I, I agree the the depictions of the animals in particular in Shrinking mm. Potion and, and um this mini 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 phantom um, he'd be more than more than at home in a forty-eight millimeter high skull case. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, I thought it was really cool. I thought it was quite good. So, mm. um, so curious. Mm. Education of Clarence and the last yes. story were actually done by the same artist. Yeah, right. It's interesting. Like you probably, I think one of the reasons why you probably why we both probably didn't pick that up is probably because of the settings as well. You know, one's in the, in the, in the you know, yeah, city and yeah, one's in the um, jungle. Even just flicking back and forth between the two of them now, um, the last, the, the prosecution, the witness for the prosecution is much um, far less detailed panels. Yes. And I hear what you're saying about the jungle, but um, there's a lot of details in the panels of... Um, uh, the education of parents. And the panels are more, um, uh, like you've got more freedom in the panels, where the prosecution story, it's literally five, six panels at the absolute most. Yeah. The, the prosecution story also has huge, absolutely huge um, dialogue bubbles. Um, <laughs> Often, you know, twice the size is yeah. as required for the dialogue that's inside them. Um, and taking up, oh, I'm looking at page 92 now, the bottom left-hand corner there. Yeah. Just opened that randomly, and that panel, um, that that square, probably a quarter of it is actual mm. drawing, and the rest of it is dialogue. I, won- um, bubbles, yeah. I wonder if they um, if they translate it and they just thought, that was a mouthful. It's just 
simplify it. <laughs> yeah, let's simplify that. Or, or if Italians take a lot of words to say something that uh, comes out quite simply in English, I don't know. Well, most of the time Italians use their hands to speak as well, so I don't know how that kind of works in comics. But. Don't know, don't know. But uh, look, the, the Clarence Crucible one, let's, let's talk about that because we, we mentioned that earlier with uh, reference to Crybaby. Um, probably the difference that I saw, and, and lots of people will be familiar with the Crybaby story who may not have read this one, um, the, the young boy in the Crybaby is way less annoying than <laughs> Clarence Crucible, who honestly, Phantom, oh. we talk about we, we talked earlier about the Phantom showing great moral judgment and being able to, um, you know, deal with various people. How he doesn't give this kid about four skull marks in the first page and a half, I don't know. Because uh, this kid just needs a smack around the head, I'll tell you what. He's a, he's a real <laughs> handful. Like he, it was almost laughable just how much trouble he caused. Oh, he's just a, an absolute spoiled brat. Where, like, um, the, I the wonder if the parents Crybaby, actually um, uh, paid these guys to kidnap him. To kidnap him. <laughs> we, we, we joke and stuff like that, but like, you know, it's a serious crime. But yeah, he was an absolute pain. So you're right. He's not like the crybaby. Where the crybaby was a sweet kid. He just needed a bit of. He just needed a father figure. Well, he was he was a very sympathetic character. This, yeah. this kid is not sympathetic at all, and in fact, um, by the end of it, you, I've, I've put I've finished. I actually put the comic down and went for a little bit of a walk um, to digest this one. As halfway through, I didn't just jump straight into the next story. I wanted to digest that story a bit, and I, and as, I guess as a teacher, I can't smack kids around the head, and I haven't skull marked anyone yet. Um, yeah, and so. You, <laughs> There's, there's rules about these things apparently, um, and and I guess from a modern day teaching point of view, what the Phantom did there is exactly what you need to do. Even with the most painful kid, um, you need to find a way to love them. You need to find a way to uh, show them how they should be, rather than um, you know punitive consequences, I suppose. So um, as hard as it was to read at times. Um, Quite instructive. I thought it was kind of funny where it was like, Gran, what happened to you? You're covered in paint. May the gods be praised. Your back phantom quickly delivers from that obnoxious boy. You locked a wildcat in a drum. You must get rid of him. And I don't know whether the fan is trying to like hide his laughing or something like that, where it's like, mm, I recognise that the boy is rather lively. it's a fine line and maybe whether the translation um it's a fine line between the phantom being ignorant of exactly how bad this kid is or just um trying to be wry and knowing about it i suppose i don't know the weakest story i think would have to be the first one evil eyes yeah i agree um Um, i I enjoy the art um i just i don't know like the story like it's Story just doesn't make sense. There's no real ending. There's no real, you know, like yeah, you know, someone's trying to take her over, a, you know, a, um, a you know, a tribe. Yeah, that's happened a million times. But fair enough. Oh no, the guys looked at me. I'm going to fall off a cliff. Um, and then he gets captured. He doesn't actually do anything. Um, and then 
kind of like what we're talking about with the um, uh, what do you call it, the black glove one, where the bad guy's incompetent incompetency actually saves the day mm. rather than mm. the phantom actually saving the day. Mm. I think if, if I'm going to get all English teachery on you, the, there's no exposition and there's no resolution, and so that makes the story hard to hard to engage with. We don't we don't ever really understand the bad guy. We've got no, no idea yeah. who they are. Uh, we don't see anything other than their eyes. Uh, which we come to understand have some sort of hypnotic power, but we don't know why. We don't know if it's real. I can kind um, of get away these... with that. Yeah, lots of these types of stories, and you said, and, and you're right. There's there's heaps of these types of stories where a bad guy takes over a tribe and then tries to take over the jungle. But off, we always find out. Well, not always, but in the good stories, we find out a bit about their backstory, why they want to do that, how they how they go about doing it, what their trickery is, and then the Phantom undoes the trickery. Um, we don't find out about any of those things with this. Yeah. Like, I understand what you're saying, and I completely agree, but for me, that wasn't the worst part about it. The fact that the story just kind of ended with... It wasn't really an ending, if you know what I mean, and no, the no. Phantom was very unphantom like in this story. That, to me, is probably... The thing I struggled to with the most. Yep. Yep. But on the whole, then, as a as a package, as a hundred page book, I enjoyed um, it. And Phantom's World's a bit like that, isn't it? It's a bit hit and miss. It's either as a book it's good, or as a book it's not so good. Yeah. Um, this is one of the good ones. Yeah, and I like the fact how we had three different artists, um, and you know the cover popped. And it does pop. I saw it at the newsagent the other day, and I was like, you know, wow, the cover yeah. does pop. Um, the art inside is good. It's very good. Even, like, that first story, you know, was my least favourite, probably up there with some of the other crap stories that we've got in Phantom's World. But the art was probably of, you know, the, the higher end of what we've seen. So it's kind of like I don't buy Phantom's World for the reading, you know, for the, you know, like the, the stories. I buy them for the art and to, you know, like to look at the art and it's like, oh, wow, I really enjoy this. And, you know, for the nostalgic point of view, for the, you know, for the, for the, for the phantom history point of view is that, you know, the Sparta has an important part to play in phantom history and, you know, that that's what I buy the Phantom's World for, if that kind of makes sense. I buy it from a, you know, from the historic type of point of view rather than, oh, this is a cracking story that I want to get the latest on. Mm. Mm. Yep, absolutely. Fair enough. All right. Um, so... I think I think this is one that would move on the on from the news agents because people are likely to spot it. They're likely to pick it up. They'll flick through it and go, you know what, the art on this is pretty good. Um, yeah, I think it's yeah. I think it's uh, one of the ones that's worth getting. All right, now let's step away from the those regular through releases and into the graphic novel, the first ever graphic novel that through have released. Now this is not available. In stores, I guess, much, uh, unless your local comic store has decided to stock it. Um, mm. if you've asked them to, to get a copy, and it's not going to be in newsagents. Um, it's available. We, we purchased our copies in Sydney. Um, 
that, but it's available on the free website, of course. Um, talking about the story called Sword of the Caliph. And uh, it's um, we've done a video review on it. Jermaine has done a, a, a really good extensive video review on it, which has um, been quite handy for a lot of people, I think, who are a bit perplexed about, A, what is a graphic novel? Um, because, mm. you know, fandom fans are not... Um, are not A lot of them are of comic fans, typically. yeah. Yeah, who who are who are in stores and seeing graphic novels. There's, there's been questions. Well, is, what's the difference between a graphic novel and a trade paperback? Um, how is this different to a regular through story? Um, what is it? So the video review on the Chronicle Chamber YouTube page is uh, well worth your well worth your time looking at. Can you give us? Um, I think it, it was about ten minutes the review, Germ. Can you give us a thirty second summation of that for people who haven't um, who haven't seen it necessarily yet? Um. It's 100 pages. It's fast action. It's got two phantoms in it. Um, it's signposts very easily identifying the two phantoms, so you can follow it easily. It's an enjoyable read. Um, it can be a little bit, a little bit mature in some places with, uh, due to some, um, circumstances where the phantom finds himself, but, on the awe, I reckon if you're over ten years old, you'll probably you'll be safe to read it. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting because one of the things that I because when I watched the the video review, one of the things I probably was going to disagree with you on was the um, the the maturity required to watch it. I suppose so. I'm glad that you've put a number on that because. Um, uh, well, today, as we speak, as we're recording, this is, is Angus's 10th birthday, and um, I would feel quite comfortable with him reading this story. Um, he hasn't yet, but um, but if he wanted, if he saw it, I'd have no problem just leaving it lying around for him to pick up and, and engage with, because uh, the, the it's not overly graphic. There are graphic themes, but I think they're probably people who were, well you know, call a spade a spade, people who were alive and cognizant of the world in 2001 and um, the Twin Towers and that sort of thing are probably more sensitive to what goes on in the book here than um, a 10-year-old who has no idea that that thing happened, so to speak. So Yeah, and um, I think, I also think when it comes to maturity themes, it also depends on the child and the person as well. Um, you know, and you know, and also in your parenting styles and, and, and stuff like that. So I think, you know, I think it's, if you were to rate it as a movie, I think you would probably do it as a PG. Yeah. Yep. You know, you wouldn't do yep. it as an M because I don't no. think it's quite like that, but you wouldn't do it as a G. You would do it as a, a, parent, a parental guidance recommended. And mm. the themes we're talking about, are not the same themes that we've talked about in other comics where it's like, where we've had this discussion, like, yeah, we probably wouldn't let our kid read this. You know, that, that, that was, you know, boobies or sexual references and or sexual exploit, exploitations and stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, you wouldn't, you know, that's different than what this is. And maybe we're a little bit desensitised where violence is kind of tolerated a little bit more. 
Yeah, well, we've talked tonight about um, having no real qualms about a knife to the back of the hand. Um, and to be honest, that probably makes me more squeamish. I can probably imagine that more easily than uh, um, than some of the scenes in, mm. in the Sword of the Caliph. Now, I, I really enjoyed Sword of the Caliph. Yep. I think we need to... I need to say that straight off the bat. It does... Um, it does have hints of um, the supernatural, which is a gen- you know, as a general rule, I don't enjoy the supernatural um, or, or that idea of. Um, it's always an interesting one with the Phantom because the Phantom we know for a, we know for a fact as readers that he's not immortal, but um, everybody else thinks that he is. And from time to time, authors like to toy with the idea of well, what if someone really was immortal um, and and was opposed to this other character that they believed was immortal because they are and that sort of thing. We see that, um, you know, Queen Samaris the, the Twelfth was probably um, the first time I was exposed to that sort of story, which I which I quite enjoyed, you know, um, con- conflicting with my general <laughs> <laughs> disdain for, for that idea. But I thought this was done well. Yeah, um, it's, it's hinted, it, it, but it's not implied. Yeah, well, it's certainly not confirmed at any yeah, stage. Confirmed. You, you that's sort of think, oh, well, maybe that's yeah, um, and that's that's certainly certainly why uh, it probably gets away with it. Now, I'm, I'm curious to know, and you made a point of this in your review, Germ, about and you and you've just sort of alluded to it there the the ease with which you can tell the difference between the two storylines, and so we have, um, I think it might even be the sixth Phantom, is it? Oh, I think you or would be right, the sixth Phantom. It is the sixth. Uh, so we have a storyline involving the sixth Phantom, and we have a storyline involving the twenty-first Phantom, and it jumps. Um, the the book sort of jumps back and forth between the two of them. They're connected by a dream that they've both had, and the twenty-first Phantom remembers the the sixth Phantom's story, and and he reads a digital version of the Chronicles, <laughs> which I quite enjoyed. Um, so as he's jetting around solving the mysteries in America, he's actually reading through. The I Chronicles thought that was very clever how they did that. Yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to know who's sat down and digitised the Chronicles. It's probably Grand Paul Garan. Ty- yeah, typing away. Just as well as can type 100 words per minute. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that was interesting. Um, you mentioned the ease with which you can flick between the two storylines. Um, did you actually... Did you? When did you pick up on the two different colours of the narration boxes? Um, at the start, because I read the back first. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> but in saying that, it could have, you know, maybe been in the front cover or something. And I think there was only... Because when I read it on the back, I thought, I'm going to make a point, you know, on my second time reading it through, because I knew I was doing a video review. So I read it the first time I read it, for the enjoyment of it. And the second, third time was kind of like, okay, let's make some notes for the video review and stuff like that. And from memory, there was only three times where the signposting was left out of the yellow or the purple uh, boxes. Right. Um, But it was easy to pick up, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Oh, no, I I know completely what you mean because I didn't, I read the whole book and then read the blurb on the back yeah. and saw Dudley's comment about the fact that they'd used two different colours to distinguish the two storylines and was surprised. I was like, did they? And I, I, opened, I actually had to go back into the book and flick and go, oh, 
yeah, you're right. They they were two different colours. So mm. um, maybe subconsciously I'd picked up on that. Yeah. Maybe that is part of why I found it so easy. Um, I didn't have any... There was not a single panel that I looked at where I've gone, oh, is this the 6th or is this the 21st? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so um, yeah. Now, yeah. in saying that, it could have... And this is a very... This is being very picky. And I did make mention of this in the video. It could have been a little bit better if it had started like the swap had been at the start of the page rather than in between the pages. Like that could have made it a little bit easier. But I don't think it was, I don't think it's a big deal if that makes sense. No, it makes complete sense because um, when you said that in the video review, that was one of the things I disagreed with because to me it's not, you don't need a page of this and then a page of that or two pages of this and then three pages of that. Um, I was quite happy with the way that, it, and I've got it open now to page 34, for instance, um, and the, the top two-thirds of the story are the 21st and then he moves to the, the 6th and it, you know, that's not jumpy at all to me. That that, that makes complete sense. Yeah. So, I was, it was, to us, it probably wouldn't be, but for someone a little bit more younger or something like that, it, you know, the the colours, maybe a colour, like a, a legend or something, or a guide in the, in the inside cover, and then maybe, you know, being a, being a little bit more forthright in the planning of the pages, it might help someone younger. Yeah. Like for yeah, you and I, it probably it wouldn't. It's you know water off a duck's back. We've read more confusing things than this, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know for a younger reader, and I, I this story is a it's very good. I really enjoyed it. I, I love the whole yeah. you know, and I've been on the podcast before where I've said about. So one of the best stories I've ever read was the DC mini where I had two phantoms two past phantoms basically having the same adventure at the same time. And that mm. was a lot more confusing than this. Um, yeah. And, you know, that was, that's was that been one of my most favourite stories for the last 20 years. Um, and so I was ecstatic. I'm like, sweet, I'm going to get another story like this. And the story's, the story's really good. It's, it's fun. Um, you know, yeah, it's got, it's, you know, it's got some of the issues that I've, kind of talked about but you know i was quite happy to give it a four i think i gave it a four and a half out of five and mm. i think i've read it you know probably five six times already since i've in mm. the last month mm. yeah i uh, no, i agree it's a really good uh a really good book a really good pickup um it, and it's, it's cheap uh, at 20 bucks it really is it really is for a, a 90 page story um, that has a hint of a sequel, but uh, be interesting to see if we ever see it. To be honest, I don't really care. I think it yeah. stands up as a as a standalone book, and if there's a sequel, certainly I'll read it. But uh, I'm not I'm not hanging out for it because the mm. story does seem wrapped up well enough with just leaving yeah. that hint of a, a possibility. The the twenty first fandom probably spends more time on screens than uh, in any other in any other book that I've seen. But doesn't uh, um, doesn't every person in this generation spend more time on on this screen than anything else. 
Yeah, he certainly. Every, <laughs> there's a lot of travelling for the 21st Phantom, and, and pretty much every time he travels, right, I'm back into the phone. Well, um, but as I say, instead of Facebook, it's probably um, it's probably not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Um, the the other the other the other thing that I'll um, I guess uh, disputes probably too strong a term, but uh, I would counter with what you said in the the video review. I I know you're not a big fan of the cover of this. Um, I actually quite like the cover. Um, I like the, the cover. I don't think it fits the the style of the cover. Doesn't fit with the interior of oh, like but, with but the how art often... and stuff. Oh, it's by the same artist, isn't it? Yeah, no, but it's more. It looks more pastel painted style, where inside is more. You know, it kind of reminds me of something we see in Kid Phantom or the Girl Phantom, where it's, you know, it's got that cartoony element. I would have, you know, I would have. I just don't think, you know, I like the cover. Don't get me wrong. I think the cover's great. It just doesn't match. Well, that's exactly why you should. Not judge a book by its colour. Yeah, I know, but we do. People do. <laughs> Everyone does. So, yeah. So uh, the cover's nice. Don't get me wrong. I like the cover. I just don't think it matches with the interior art. And I know through do do that. You're being picky. Yeah, I am probably being picky, but that's what you do in a video review. You, are, you do be picky and you do raise points for discussion. Um, and I know, if, you know, I know through do match their art their cover artists with the interior artists like you know jamie johnson does a lot of um uh you know does a lot of uh newer swedish stories and then you've got um you know you've got jason paulus tends to do every john boyks uh you know story so i just you know because those cover artists kind of do match the interior art, i just don't think that this cover matches the interior art okay Fair call, fair call. All right, um, anything else? So you've, you've already obviously said everything you need to say about the Sword of the Caliph um, in the video review, um, and I'm happy for people to go and check that out. I, all I can do is encourage you to buy it because yeah. uh, it, it's a great story. Um, and, and interesting, Gabriel Enriquez is the author here, um, and um, Trivia Fact also is responsible for Kid Phantom number one. Number so, one, um, yes. Two very, very different stories. Yeah. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if we... Because we, we've approached uh, Fru about getting an interview with Gabrielle and trying to track down contact details as a, a very mysterious person um, in terms of um, no real social media presence, no real... Um, yeah. I'm curious. I actually suspect um, that it might be a pen name, but I don't know for who... Mm. Um, so, I think you're right that it would be a pen dome. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's move on. Now, the last story that I'd, I'd like for us to review, and we do have Mikel Lick, um, who's going to review uh, some Phantomen stories for us in a moment. But the last story that I thought that we should review is the story that came in the cards. We've talked about Gallery Series 2 cards a number of times so far tonight. What we haven't done is talk about the story um, that is in the cards. So um, I think it's probably very worthwhile for us to actually talk about. I know it's only a short story. It's uh, what two, four, six, 
eight. It's only eight pages long. Mm. This story. It's it's the second part of um, of a continuation. Um, what did you think of the story itself? We've talked extensively about the cards, but we've not mentioned the story by Chuck Dixon and uh, drawn by Graham Nolan. It's good to get a sequel to one of the stories. Um, I enjoy the story. I I know Glenn's made mention of it, where instead of figuring out how the Phantom could find the guy, which you know t- ended up being in China, he just was just in China straight away. I like that. I also like the yeah. fact that it was only eight pages because, in my opinion, it's a and this is just my opinion. It's great to have the closer of the story, but the real hero of the cards is not the story. As, as great as the art is, and I like how it's on front and back, but the real hero are those seventy odd artists that are featured in the um, in the gallery series. Hmm. It's interesting. Like, I guess it depends on your approach. And and I've just done a quick count. The f- the first part of Death's Dark Part, Death's Dark Part, was 12 pages, um, and so this is eight. So it's a, it's a total of a 20-page story spread across 20-something years. Um, for for Angus, when he was compiling or is still compiling the um, the card set, the story was absolutely those cards were the ones he was looking for. Yeah, he he wanted to complete each page to create his own comic book to piece that jigsaw together so from a, for a 10 year old yeah, it's interesting um that that was oh he he'd open a pack and he'd he'd toss aside a salvaluto card he had no interest he had no interest in um a jamie johnson card sorry jamie he, he stopped at the paul mason cards because he was keen on kid family. but no he was he was scouring each pack uh, going through the nine cards looking for story cards so that he could get that, that jigsaw together. Mm. Um, mm. So, you know. So have I, you brought in Gallery Series 1 yet? Oh, no. Well, I'm not going to buy him his own version of that. Um, well, maybe I should. Um, he's read mine. He's read mine anyway. So he's caught up on the first part of the story. Um, Just photocopy it for him. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> But no, it was actually it was only this morning that um, he completed the the story, and then he sat down and and read it properly, and um, yeah, really enjoyed it. So yeah, it, I, I've Jack Dixon and Graham Nolan have done a lot of stuff together. Um, Jack Dixon has also so he did the first part of the cards, and then he also did a Phantom story from Moonstone. I want, to, I want to think it's nine and ten, maybe, um, which was about a slave story in Africa for Moonstone in the first series, I believe it is. Um, so it's, you know, like they know their Phantom Light, especially Graham Nolan. You know, he, he's written and done stories for Phantom and, you know, his mum was a, a fan and, and stuff like that. So it's, you know... I like the art, um, you know, I like the art, the story flows really, really quick, I like how you've got big panels split up into six cards, like the first one, yeah. or or three down the bottom, so you've got, you know, I think the Phantoms, 
running and there's glass shattering all behind them and, and stuff like that. So yes. the graphics are really good and they've done it well to fit in with the card format, if you know what I mean. Mm. No, it, it was really interesting seeing it compiled through the eyes of a 10-year-old because um, uh, Gus would slip in a card and go, oh, and realise that it was two, the, the, the two cards formed one panel. Yeah. And his excitement when they matched up like that um, was really, was really, was really palpable and uh, and exciting. So, mm. um, yeah, I think that um, uh, Nolan's really used the format incredibly effectively, and, yeah. and clearly has uh, has drawn it, knowing exactly how it's going to be put together. Yeah, agree. Um, I guess one thing that I would also note in this, though, we talk about maturity and um, adult themes and that sort of thing. The scene at the end of the story, with the bad guy getting his head cut off, um, in a in a clear nod to the irony of you know he's been cutting heads off gorillas and then ends up decapitated himself. Uh, <laughs> Gus got a bit of a shock when he realised what had happened there. So, it's all right. So, as, long as, uh, as long as your wife doesn't see it, it'll be fine. Yeah, if, as a parent, I'm happy enough for him to be exposed to someone who gets decapitated on a plate glass window, I guess a knife to the back of the hand's not such a big deal after all. <laughs> oh, that's it. Or, um, yeah, that's it. But no, it, it's... It was a worthy end to that part. But there's still one more part of a trading card series that we haven't seen yet. What do you mean? Well, there's there's another... The first the first one from Dynamic Series, that story hasn't been finished yet. Oh, right, yes. He's been, yeah, no, he's been, been... dangling over the side of the, um, of the building with... Um, uh, with the bad guy for the last probably even 40 years now. So. Well, okay, so which is the... And the cards have always confused me, perhaps because there's so many unfinished stories. Which is the one that has got the um, the phantom lying wounded and... That's the first a, part, and then you've got the second no, part. No, and a... Hey? So there's... So the, and, and a figure in a white robe comes and is standing over the top of him. Yeah, yeah, so that's the fir- that was the first trading card series in Australia. And then which had the first part of the story, which is the empty cave, I believe, from memory. And then you've got the second trading card series, which has got the second part of that story. Of that story. Yeah. And then that's, at the end, he's about to fall out a window, struggling with um, the bad guy, uh, Moriba. Who's a, who's a um, dude out of Sherlock? Got a mind blank. Moriarty. Moriarty. So it's kind of a nod to that because he's dressed up as Sherlock. Ah, um, maybe I don't have any of those cards at all because that doesn't sound familiar at all. And so, the, yeah, so then that's finishing up. So that's the second training card series. We haven't seen the end of that story. And then we go to the comic images, the Phantom movie, and then the gallery part one, and then this is gallery number two. Okay. All right, well... I've never been clear on all of that. Never been clear on all of that. Um, we need we need these um, creators to actually <laughs> finish a card series within the same decade. I think that ought to be a rule. Um, if you're going to start a card series and you're going to have a story, you've got 10 years to finish it. <laughs> 
I, I, yeah, somehow I don't see Glenn, Glenn wanting to finish the, um, after all the, the, the delays. Oh, was of he gallery. responsible for that one as well? Yeah, yeah, he was responsible for that one as well. I think he actually drew it. Oh. I think. Okay. All right. Well, fair enough. Well, if that's the case, I'll give him a pass on it because um, this one has has finished really, really well. But I know that it, um, well, it would be like a human trying to have an elephant-style gestation. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think elephants um, are pregnant for two years before they give birth. Mm. And, uh, yeah, we don't need need that happening anymore. So it was a fan story by Philip. Cornell and Glenn Ford. Okay. And that's the one where the first part of it has Phantom lying wounded in a in a in a meadow. He's just been shot yep. by an air rifle or something. Yep. And um and some godlike figure in Greek I think it's Greek. probably Dr. Livingston. Right, okay. Well, that's probably explained in the second part. No, I clearly have not. I can't remember it. if it is, but that's what it reminds me of, or it could be. Or, it always reminds kind of me reminds, of like a Zeus or something. And it kind of reminds me of the Good Samaritan storyline as well. Yes, yeah, I can see that. So it might be, um, um, yeah, it might it, it might be Doctor Limbs. It might be someone else. I can't remember. Hmm. All right. Well, I'll I'll go back over my cards and see if I've got that story somewhere that I haven't. Maybe uh, we need to do a one. podcast one day. It could be part of our summer series coming up. Maybe we could do a um a podcast on trading cards. I reckon that would probably need to be a a vodcast. It, it would need to be yeah. a YouTube thing so that people could actually see what we were. Yeah, doing that could be a good idea. Yeah. Um, well, we need to we need to work on that because we've proven recently that we're absolutely no good at um, recording video. <laughs> yeah, so maybe maybe that could be something fun we can do is a um, a vodcast on um, on the trading card series. Hmm. Well, I would appreciate that if even if no one else. Yeah. All right. Um, so that that pretty much covers, and, and it's taken all of the time that we said that we were going to take, and then some, and uh, and yet we're nowhere near finished because we're about. And here's what I don't get, Mikhail, Vic. Um, I bet you, I, and I don't know. You would probably know, Jim. I reckon that he's going to review review all of the Phantom and comics that have come out in the last month and a half, and his section of the podcast is going to be no more than. I'm going to say six minutes long. I reckon you're probably right because he's only going to be reviewing one comic. Oh, well, in that case, it'll be about three and a half minutes. He knows how to talk about a comic in a short period of time, I'll tell you that. But he's not discussing it with anyone else. (laughs) That's true. That's true. There's no one sitting there arguing with him or or agreeing with him or elaborating on points that he's made. Yeah, and you're Um, not involved as well. <laughs> We've proven time and time again that you are the the Gabby one on this podcast. <laughs> no, 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 no. The way you prove that is you've gone everyone else talking, and then you've talking, and then half the time they're about even. So I think that kind of. <laughs> but anyway, all right. I'll I'll show you the the. I, I haven't even looked. I will have a look at this one. It's just you and me, and I'll have a look. We'll see. <laughs> Um, all right, so we're going to hand over now to Mikel Lick, who's going to take us through uh, Phantomman numbers 14, 15 of 2019. Hello, 
this time there's only been one issue since the last podcast, and that's the double issue 1415, containing two phantom stories. The first one is Jävelen i Stockholm, translated to The Devil in Stockholm, written by Mikael Sol and art by Jan Belecki, who has also done the cover. That's really nice cover. It's the skyline of Stockholm with the phantom falling down and the main character of this story, I would say, Jimon. The story centers around the young painter, Jimon, that is, that has some kind of mental issue and self-doubt. While he's not feeling great, he also gets lots of pressure from his agent. And uh, what I thought about this issue and some real-life footage of the story can be seen in the video review that's posted on the Chronicle Chambers page and YouTube page. The second story is a daily called The Shaman, written by Lee Falk himself and drawn by George Olsen and Keith Williams back in 1997. The stories feel... Overdone, it's witch doctors that gets mad that the tribes uses western medicine and they want to get rid of it and tries to burn down the hospital and I feel this start of the story has been used so many times so I can't really be happy for that story but it's good that we have it in Swedish and uh, that's all for this time. Happy phantoming! And back to you guys. Well, thank you very much for that, Mikhail. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, you've got to jump on in the Chronicle Chamber YouTube channel to see Mikhail's video tour of Stockholm, where he actually talks about uh, the comic that he's just reviewed, but also shows us um, the, the, the locations around Sweden that are drawn in the comic. I found that absolutely yeah. fascinating. What about you? It was, Jim? it was very cool. He, he like, he goes, Oh, do you reckon, do you reckon it would be a good idea? And like, before he even finished asking, like, yes, just do it, just do it. It's, it's, it's a cool idea. Um, it, it's, it is, it's like it, it, you know, when, when the Phantom's visiting your, you know, and he's lucky in the sense that the Phantom's visiting Stockholm. He's from Stockholm and, you know, he was able to go around to the three, four different locations and that. But it just, I don't, it, it was very cool how it was done. And I opened up, I got the comic just recently and I flicked through it and, you know, watched the tour while I was looking through the comic and stuff like that. And um, I think when the story comes to Australia, you know, it will be worth going through the video tour again. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you can schedule that post on uh, on Buffer now if you like. For <laughs> for when it's going to Australia. For whenever it's going to come to Australia. Yeah. Um, it it just it, it really I think and the artist I uh, forget the name but it's also the John Balecki or Jan Balecki. Yes, who's also drawing Phantom and yeah, Kids. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just goes to show the level of uh, detail that he was prepared to go to and, and lots of artists are prepared to go to in terms of um, drawing the location accurately. We've, we've, we've heard from Paul Mason about, oh, just draw Times Square, um, you know, and the level of detail that he wanted to go to. Mm. It's really clear from that video mm. the level of detail that uh, Jan was keen to do and, and um, then for Mikhail to go and basically stand in the spot 
that Jan must have seen the buildings from and that sort of thing. You know what? Was, was yeah, really cool. what's actually even better when you talk about that is the fact that Jan actually lives in the UK. Um, oh, is that right? Yeah, so he is. I wonder if he is. Uh, I think he did come from Stockholm event uh, originally, but he actually lives in the okay. UK at the moment. Okay. Well, if um, certainly for our Australian audience, if uh, a few of his stories get published in through, and we we've got a bit of an idea of. Um, what we're talking about, we'd love to get him on um, for the tenth or twelfth podcast that we've now organised uh, in the course of this particular chat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's um, yeah, it'll, it'll be good. It'll be when we finally get some of his stories, and I wonder if we'll ever get the fan, uh, Phantom and Kids. Oh well, I hope we do. In the same way that I've, um, you know, would support Phantom by Gaslight um, or or, mm. or any other innovation. It's it's worth having a look. Yeah, exactly. Alright. Okay. Well, after this short two hour episode we were going to record, which almost, well, thanks to Mikel, has now gone well over two hours. <laughs> well, he can't um, even defend really himself, poor bloke. <laughs> uh, I can't believe we've continued to make him listen to the whole podcast before we put his stuff on and right at the end. We've got to start putting him on uh, earlier in the, in the, in the piece. <laughs> Um, look, uh, thank you very much for, for tuning in and listening today. Um, we hope you enjoyed it as much as we, as we enjoy it. We, we love talking Phantom and I hope you enjoy listening to, um, two people who enjoy talking Phantom. Um, if you, if you like what we do and if you'd like to support what we do, uh, we've talked a little bit about, uh, the costs that are involved, but, uh, the, the Patreon, um, if you go to patreon.com, backslash Chronicle Chamber, you can have a look at um, some of the, 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 the rewards that we offer if you if you support us and that sort of thing, um, not least of which is the Phantom Preservation Project, the P3, that big, um, that big collection of digital Phantom resources, if you like. Uh, the index is available there. You can have a look at that uh, through the, the Patreon page and see what you uh, could be could be getting if you support us via Patreon. Uh, we'd like to welcome Shane Wood, who has mm. jumped on board very recently. Um, great to great to have another um, Patreon um, join yeah, us. Yeah, thanks, Mark. We're halfway. Th- really sincerely appreciate it. We're a bit over halfway through winter now, so it's only about five weeks until we're going to have our next seasonal draw for um, our Patreon members for a, a Phantom, exclusive Phantom prize that will be going out to you. Um, we have made a bunch of additions recently to the Patreon, and it was my job to get that list and find out exactly what was in it. We'll have but, a post uh, up this week with the list. Around this podcast, when this podcast goes out, we'll have a list, we'll have an article online with the latest editions. Yep, or or you could even just go to the, the Patreon website and uh, that post is available for public to see um, whether you whether you actually signed up or not. Yeah, and um, also if you're a Patreon, make sure if you if you have not been invited to our Facebook page, which is where we give you exclusives before it goes online, contact us about it because we don't know everyone's Facebook. Address, so we haven't been able to do that. And then another thing, if you're a Facebook, if you're a Patreon user, um, update your Patreon details to include your postal address, so that way, when you win something, we don't we can send it straight away. Yes, no, that's a really good point. 
That's 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 excellent. Um, yeah, make sure you do that because we we so appreciate um, the support that you give us. And and just in the last fortnight, Germ, you've received our annual bills for um, hosting the website and um, and hosting the the P three. And uh, well, fair to say that next month's Patreon is probably going to go towards that as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we're talking about you know we're talking about you know more more than what we get in a month basically you know for website for you know so it's it's a hefty bill and that's why we're so thankful because you know for us to you know i, I think the bills i think i think there's about three or four bills and it was about two three hundred dollars or something like that you know we don't have to pay that which means you know, uh, we can afford to send our kids to school and we can afford to oh, give look. them food because you guys are helping us and that's why yeah. we love you guys because you help us to be able to pay for what happens with Patreon. Yeah, the, the reality is that this wouldn't be happening yeah. um, if we didn't have our Patreon supporters because at the end of the day, we would not be able to justify to our wives. Yes. Um, yeah. So thank you very much for every one of you who contributes a dollar a month, two dollars a month, five dollars a month, whatever you can afford. Um, it, it, you know, keeps us out of trouble and it keeps it literally out of too. trouble with the wives. Yeah, that's right. Um, and and it just means that there's that content available for you guys to to enjoy. We hope. Um, a lot of that content is obviously publicised through our website. That's the main place that you can um, see what we're doing on uh, chroniclechamber.com. We've mentioned that a few times. If you'd like to get in touch with us, it's chroniclechamber at gmail.com is the email. Or you can hit us up through Facebook or, sorry, or through all of the social medias. Um, Facebook is the uh, chroniclechamber.com page um, or through the Phantom Collector group. On Twitter, we are at Chronicle Tweets. On Instagram, we are at Chronicle Chamber. Uh, YouTube, if you just do a search for Chronicle Chamber, you will find us and all the videos that we do, um, including the reviews that we've talked about here tonight. Um, we'd encourage you, if you don't already subscribe, um, anyone who sat here and listened or, or across five days or however often you use the pause button, um, <laughs> listen to us. if you've been listening for two and a half hours, um, you probably already subscribed. If you're not and you, you'd like to hear more of us, um, subscribe to the podcast via iTunes or whatever your favourite podcast app is. If you're an Android user, uh, Player FM, Podbeam, uh, Castbox, all of those sorts of um, players will uh, will set you up and, and you'll be able to find us there. So uh, we really do appreciate all of the listeners and uh, you know, all of the correspondence that we get. Um, maybe we should do a monkey mail segment at some point, Jim, where we go through and, and talk about the uh, the emails we receive and that sort of thing. What, you, you, on the you don't reckon the comics and news is long and podcast is long enough already? No, it would be a, a monkey mail special. We wouldn't do comics and news and then add a monkey mail to that, um, obviously. Okay. Some people <laughs> might even argue that we that there's already a bunch of monkeys talking anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I should have raised that at the AGM. I'll, um, I'll put that on the agenda for next year. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks very much, everybody, for listening. Uh, Jermaine, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thanks very much for staying up late and talking fandom with me. Um, and until next time, mate, happy fandom. Happy fandom, mate. And happy fandom, listeners. The phantom's always there, but you won't find the phantom. Find you.
Winter.